Hello and welcome to episode 124 of the Rand Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And as you may have noticed, the sound quality is presumably better. We have doubled the microphones and we're a lot closer to them. It's all because of your guys' feedback. So thank you for those of you who actually told us we sound like we're underwater because at times we did. Or in a potato. Your choice. Or let us know if we still sound like that. Yeah, if we still sound like that, there's a comment section on this episode's blog post. Just post there. But be honest. Don't tell us we sound horrible if we don't. Or you can. I think I just baited them into doing that. Anyway, this episode of the show is called um, Horse of Cards, which is one of my personal nominees for best slash worst title we've done in a long time. Because we'll be talking about the uh, solitaire horse racing hybrid pocket card, jo- uh, pocket card jockey later in the show. We also have uh, those promised Star Fox Guard impressions later in the show. So it's really just a hodgepodge of games people seem to not remember exist. Or games that don't get the attention they deserve all crammed into the end of the show. But before that, there's been a surprisingly decent amount of news lately, I feel like. Like, last episode was the bombshell announcements of, like, NX in 2017 and Zelda being the only game at E3 and it's delayed in 2017. And then if those are, like, the bombshells, this is the, like, fallout of that it's all the little things it's like oh but we are getting this in 2016 and that in 2016 and not disney infinity ever again because it's canceled so we're gonna talk about all that this episode um including you know the new pokemon uh like i said disney infinity what it means for toy life market sales numbers all that so use the timestamps in the blog post rm10.com to jump around what interests you uh i did want to say before we even jump into it one thing that sucks is nintendo confirmed their e3 plans and they are doing nothing. There is no Nintendo Direct. There is no, like, big tournament at LA Live at Microsoft Theater. There is no E3 at Best Buy demo event, even though they did it for the past three years. It's literally only Zelda and oh, a Twitch stream. there is no right? Best Buy event. Oh. Yeah, it's only Zelda and a Twitch stream of the demo of Zelda that people are playing. And to like, be fair, um, those Best Buy events, while I, it is nice that they do them, they I've never that, enjoyed yeah. any of them. <laughs> Please, please go on, elaborate. Um, just lines are really long. You barely get any. Uh, pretty much the amount of time you are spent, the, the amount of time you spent waiting isn't worth the amount of time you spent playing. That is fair. Which I guess is pretty much what you end up doing. At, if you go to the show for IE3, that's pretty much what it is. So it's like yep. an E3 simulator. It's actually, I would say, worse than E3 because at least at E3, there's multiple demos of each game while at. Best Buy, at Best Buy, it's literally just the kiosk that's already there and then like 9,000 people. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. E3 is better. But, As someone who has I done mean, both, it's better it's than nothing, I guess. But yeah, so it's kind of weird that those are gone. But like I said, we do have other things to fill the void. Uh, to start with, the big game we did know is coming this year is, of course, Pokemon Sun and Moon. Um, we knew it was coming in 2016, and then last week Nintendo gave the pair of 3DS games both a firm release date and some uh, first details. So first off, the release date for those who didn't hear, it's Nintendo's favorite weekend before Thanksgiving that they always do. So as I think everyone probably called it. I know we did last episode. It will be out on Friday, November 18th. So that is officially now their one big holiday game that they have. So look forward to that. But um, the reason you should look forward to it is um, it looks like it could be cool. I mean, they showed the first starters. It set the internet kind of on fire, which was odd. Like Arby's tweeted about it. The country of Canada tweeted about it. Not like a guy in Canada. Like the Twitter account that represents the entire government of Canada tweeted about it. So, clearly something went right with this unveil, and um, it might be because they look kind of awesome. So, I don't know, do you have a favorite of the three? You've seen all three. You know all three. Not really. It's more like if I had to pick one, I guess it'd be the owl because it's the bird. 
All right, but I don't, sure. But I don't particularly like any of them. See, I like... I'm, I'm torn because... I, mean, I like them as much as any of the starter that I don't really care for. I don't think they look bad at all, but they look decent. They look, they look fine. They're, They're honestly my fine. favorite of the last few generations, I feel like. I don't know why. But, like, okay, you got Rowlet, who, first of all, he's an adorable little tiny round owl. So, I guess Owlet, Rowlet, I don't know. But he's wearing a leaf bow tie, which automatically makes him great. Then you got Litten. Which I hope is it's the final evolution of Raul that has like a tie. Just oh, I, yeah, I hope it goes tie. bow tie to like an untied tie to like a nicely tied tie or something like Or bo- a bow tie to clearly a clip on to like a fully tied tie. There's no in between like a bolo? Oh, yeah, there could be a bolo. Yeah, there you go. Bolo tie. Yeah, it could go bow tie, bolo tie, tie. Yeah. Each one just gets classier and classier. But, uh, but a top hat at the end, too. Yes, and a monocle. Needs a monocle. Ooh. Yeah. See, that's why I'm picking Rowlet. But then at the same time, it's like, or do I pick Litten? Because, I mean, if you have a fire cat that's a lit kitten and lit is like the current hot slang, it so perfectly plays into that. She's like, that name's loses great. the moment he evolves. Yeah, that's why I think I'm going with Rowlet. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like, Litten might be my favorite name of a Pokemon. Like, I don't know about ever, but More than your made-up name of Smugleaf? Y- yeah, I think I like... I, I, it's not my made-up name. Snivy was called Smugleaf by the general internet before... Uh, Snivy became the real name. But Litten, first of all, just plays into so much pop culture stuff already. And also, like, it just is really fun to say Litten. But yeah, so I don't know. Like, that's the two I'm stuck between. The one that's getting no love from me and also from, like, the entire internet is uh, Pop Popolo. Poplio. Pop. No, it's Pop. It's I L O. Poplio. Oh, you're right. It's Poplio. Yeah. Who is that little sea lion water type who looks like a cross between an adorable puppy and, like, a circus clown? Or, like, a. Circus seal, but uh, he's he's not getting his fair chance because he he can snort bubbles out his nose and then trap people in them. So that that's something, but apparently no one cares about uh, that. I like the art for him where it showed him like bouncing the owl. Yeah, the Rowlet. Thing. You mean he's not the owl? He's Rowlet. The owl. Rowlet, like a round owlet. Rowlet. He definitely looks like a very close cousin of Oshawa with like the red nose. Yeah, but yeah. Did you see all the fan art? That's another thing, by the way, about how fast this traveled. Is there's fan art within, I feel like, minutes of the announcement? Like, how do people mobilize that quickly to make well, artwork of these guys? There's people that have, like, their, tra- their tablets on them at all times. I guess. So, like, oh, like moment, you! <laughs> well, I don't have it at all times, but... Soon. But pretty much, like, you know, I guess, like, the moment any news breaks out, anything, they're just drawing it out. But, uh... I mean, yeah, isn't, that isn't be how, it. like, the whole Splatoon thing, where, like, there was, like, some art kind of... Before, before the game, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before the trailer even finished. <laughs> That's right. Well, that, I Which means there were people searching for I that. Feel like, I feel like finished. that was an exaggeration. It must have finished. <laughs> the trailer was only two minutes, but... Well, I guess people figured... I guess by the time it finished, people were looking up fan art, and then they yeah. found it, which means that they must have finished it. Or at the trailer Yeah, yeah, down. actually, that, that's the only way it would have worked. But, um... But, yeah, it's... I mean, so if you had to pick between the three... Like, if you get Sun and Moon, you're going to have to pick. Where are you leaning towards? I, I didn't know what I said. I said if I had oh, to yeah, pick one, good. it would be Rowlet. That's right. Sorry, I forgot we had that. Because I'm still stuck on, like, which to choose. I completely blocked out that other people like you could have already made a choice. I'm just in such a mode of, like, Rowlet or Litten. Rowlet. I think I'm going with Rowlet. You're right about Litten's name changing. And also, Litten itself is not that great looking. The name is what makes Litten. So once the name's gone, it's worthless. But yeah, Rowlet, the potential's there for so much. I, I think, um... I don't know, Rowlet just look kind of, I mean, Rowlet. Litten just look kind of, I don't know, I, I guess I, I guess when I thought of it, oh, it kind of reminded me of, um, what's the name of that other cat? It evolved into Perlion, but. Oh, yeah, no. If it's not Gen 1, I don't know the name, or Gen 2, I don't know the name off the top of my head. Well, there's like a cat like in every generation. Yeah, there so. is. I know Meowth. 
And there's Meowth. There's and Persian. There, and then there was Glumyow. You know Persian's a pretty good name. That was its name, right? Persian, like a Persian, except yeah. it's spelled P-U-R. Like, that's pretty good. Not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not, it's no Litton. <laughs> but it's, it's pretty good. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm kind of, I'm hopeful that like Rowlet will just evolve into other shapes combined with the word owl. Or owl words. Like, it could be like, Trap a hoot or something. <laughs> finally, another owl, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I did always like the owl in Gold and Silver, whose name I'm now is now escaping me. Would have been cool if it was a more tropical bird, considering they're in Hawaii. But kind of looks like a giant lychee nut, so yeah, <laughs> so it works. Yeah, but yeah, that's the other thing from the like half. So half of this is we got the stars. The other half is we got all this information about where the game's set and who's in it and like the legendaries. We don't know their names. But I actually really like the look of the legendaries. There's the lion for the sun and the what amounts to a giant mutated Zubat on steroids for the moon. But uh, yeah. I don't know what it is, but they feel more grounded to me. Like X and Y, they were – hold on. back. Uh, you give me a look. X and Y were like – it was a steam. I'll give you the lion, but the bat looks like – Well, I mean it's still – it's a bat that has crescents for wings because it's a moon. I get that. But And, and the lion has a mane that kind of resembles a sun. I, I mean the one for that, X and Y seemed pretty normal. I mean, they were like until – you, know you know what drove me crazy about it? So there's like the deer steed guy and then there was well, the bird. Like the one was shaped like Y? Yes. No, that's a – no, and the other shaped like X. Like yes, it was well, a yeah, steed. yeah, it's from the front, but I mean – I know, but for some reason – also they had the weird little like energy glows in the horns of the oh, X no, guy. I thought they looked cool. Just, I, they look cool, but, but – they, they, they have the same thing. Like, the, they don't the have the energy glows. Yeah, they do the – the bat, like, right the, the, black, the bat, when you look at him through the bottom, he looks like space and time. It's like going Wait, he does? Oh, uh, well, I take he, back everything. He has like a cosmic filter going through him. I think this confirms with getting sun then. <laughs> and then the lion, he has like that same cosmic filter going through his forehead or whatever. Does he? Am I just that oblivious? I don't know. That's how he had it in the trailer when they showed um, him in action. You're right. Like, you're right. Okay, you know what? I take back everything I said about the uh, legendaries, but I will stick to this next comment. I like the Hawaii saying a lot. I don't know why. Like, I mean, basically, it looks like Oahu in the artwork. Like, it's, like, somewhat urban, but also very tropical. Palm trees everywhere. Everyone's wearing shorts and tropical shirts. And I don't know. Something about it. Just, it's fine. It's maybe because it's not, they're not mimicking a whole continent. They're kind of keeping it on a smaller scale. And there's a volcano you could presumably explore. Like, whatever the reason, I actually really like the setting. That's cool. Yeah, but, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, it's also interesting because I guess, well, one, the setting kind of matches those Southeast Asia rumors. I mean, Philippines is what a lot of people were guessing in Hawaii. Well, not the Philippines. It's also a collection of islands. So I'm presuming you'll be able to island hop. But yeah. we'll, we'll find out. But the um, the thing that I thought was kind of interesting that's a result of the island thing, or not a result, but goes hand in hand, is you can customize your trainer a lot more now. Specifically, there's like 10, 11 different skin tones across They're the gender. Also, there are yeah. only three in the past. Now really? it's up to six or seven per person, oh. per gender. Yeah, I didn't know there were skin tones. But... Yeah, but now it's a lot broader of a range, which makes sense because like Pokemon's been globalizing a lot lately. I mean, obviously the Pokemon 20th anniversary is this international thing, but they used to announce the games only in Japan, and then they started doing them globally. And now they're like not only announcing them globally as they did with this, and I think with X and Y with the stars as well, but in Japan they put out a trailer for the game that's totally different than ours. It's linked to on the blog post, Rose, you're curious. But they put out a trailer where the entire premise of the trailer was this kid moves from Japan to Hawaii, doesn't know anyone, doesn't really know English, feels out of place, and then becomes really good friends with this other kid that lives in Hawaii because of Pokemon. It's just like, oh, yeah, it is kind of like this universal thing now. It's super cheesy, but I was just like, that that's a nice ad. Like, I think Tiny Cartridge, one of those guys, had a headline of like, no, this ad isn't making us cry, we swear, or something like it. It was really well done, but... 
But yeah, so the fact that your trainer can now represent you more in this like global Pokemon thing yeah. is kind of neat. More skin tones. I mean, the even train- if it is just skin tones, but yeah. and more clothing. I mean, they've always had clothing, yeah, but clothing. now it's all well, tropical. If anything, they went back to giving you options for clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, Aurus didn't really give you any choices beyond what you start with. Right. So that's I true. Guess, so I guess it's nice that they brought it back. I mean, the designs of the characters themselves are um, just very general. Yeah. Know. No, the the characters are pretty blank, I mean, yeah, the, blank slate, which I think is on purpose. The but. the beanie of the female one is pretty weird looking though. It looks like a glove. Yeah. <laughs> or that's no, true. like a chicken, like a Yeah. Yeah, the rooster Yeah, that's a little the weird. rooster crest or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> that one's a little yeah, but I was primarily focusing on how I could dress as a male trainer as I am, believe it or not, male. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, I think granted like all these things are pretty minor, but I think the real reason I'm kind of and you know like all these things are minor and we've said in the past that like we had we've had Pokemon fatigue it's a lot of, like, the same gameplay, like, the tried and true, like, okay, here's, you go catch them all, you go beat the gym, you go beat the Elite Four, you win. Like, that probably isn't changing that much, but for some reason, maybe because it's the 20th anniversary, I don't know. But I have this weird feeling in the back of my mind that we might see some cool stuff in this beyond just it's in Hawaii now. I mean, maybe it's because it's the 20th anniversary, so they have to go big, or maybe it's because, like, I don't know. I mean, Pokemon's as big as ever. Like, I saw some stat that it sold something like, What's the number? One two point one billion dollars in games and merchandise of po- anything Pokemon that contributed to making the Pokemon company two point one billion dollars in retail sales. So they had this huge, like this huge monstrous Goliath of a thing. It's the twentieth anniversary. It's Nintendo's only game this holiday. I feel like all the stars are lining up for one of two things: either they're gonna go all out and it's gonna be super awesome, or it's gonna be the laziest Pokemon we've ever seen. Because what else are you gonna buy? You know, there's nothing else. What else you got to play for Pokemon? There's nothing. Like, this is it. They made $2 billion. They really don't have to. They can rest on their laurels. But I'm hoping Game Freak's better than that, and I'm hoping that means we're going to see a really, really cool game. Mm. But. And one thing that kind of stood out to me in the trailer was that the the layout of the land doesn't look as grid-based as the other yes. ones did. So I thought that you looked kind of cool. It looked, it looked a little more natural. So it's like, oh, everything looks more, I don't know, I guess that's just the word, just natural and uneven looking. Everything else before, yeah. like, even though... I mean, it still looked nice. Like, it's still, like, oh, clearly I could go here, I could go there. It's, it's just very gritty. You know what? Even though That's you, gritty with a D, not gritty grit, with grit a T. D. No, you said it right. I'm just... Yeah, even though you could still run um, diagonally in the other ones, but, I mean, you can too. But. Yeah, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think that's why I like the Hawaii saying more. It did feel more natural. I think... Yeah, because, like, there's parts where the path is, like, not a straight line one way or another or a complete like a perfect angle or yeah. is like a also there's a volcano in the artwork which makes me hopeful you can actually go to a volcano which would be kind of a cool spin on the caves they I'm used sure to have you, i'm sure you will at some point yeah they don't put a volcano if you're not they have to, to have a, a gym in a volcano just so yeah right right cinnabar island yeah it was in a volcano so i guess we'll see it's um it's it's the big game for nintendo this fall so it, we're probably gonna be talking about it as more news hits pretty pretty frequently i would guess they have mastered the art of hyping this thing, though. I'll give them that. Like, release three starter Pokemon and the internet explodes for a whole day and that's all people are talking about. Like, that, that's pretty good marketing for Game Freak and Pokemon. Hmm. But separate from Pokemon, although not entirely removed from it, Nintendo also announced that uh, they have some additional plans for 3DS in 2016. Um, or to be more specific, for 2DS in 2016. It's It's actually kind of funny. It seems like... Whenever there's a major Pokemon release on the horizon, you know, uh, 
whatever it may be, a new version, something. They always a re-release. They always remember that they have this cheap 3DS that they can have parents buy for their kids at now a large expense and get more money off Pokemon that way. Like when Pokemon X and Y came out, they promoted the 2DS pretty heavily with those matching colored system bundles. And then in Japan, when Red, Blue, Yellow, and Green came out just on Virtual Consoles past February, they released Red, Blue, Yellow, Green 2DSs that we talked about here on the show, and those went on to sell 200,000 units, which is nothing to scoff at when you're talking about a dumbed-down 3DS with a game from 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So it seems like whenever there's a Pokemon game, it's like, oh, right, we have that really cheap 3DS we can sell. And sure enough, uh, they're doing it again now. With Sun and Moon now coming out later this year, Nintendo's already starting... They're starting early this time because they announced a 2DS price drop and additional games that were previously not confirmed for America that target this demographic of, like, the younger kids or the people who don't want to spend a whole bunch on a real 3DS because they just want whatever. So they so announced... How much is it now? It's, uh, yeah, it's on May 20th. It will go from ninety nine ninety nine to seventy nine ninety nine. That's not bad. That's not bad. And here's where, it get, bucks. here's where it gets better. We were tempted to get it for the Yokai bundle just because it yeah. was such a bargain. Like, not even because of the... Here's um, a real bargain. You ready for this? No. The ones that come... You Brace yourself. The ones that come with uh, Mario Kart 7 pre-installed will still be sold. The 2DS bundle with Mario Kart 7 at $80. So if you take away the price of Mario Kart, which on the eShop is 30 bucks. You are getting a 2DS, essentially a 3DS without 3D, for $50. That's insane. I That's crazy. I can't remember the last time they dropped the system that low. Maybe, like, Game Boy Advance at one point? Game Boy Color at one point? I don't remember a system ever being just $50. Like, what a great entry point. Like, that is such a surefire way to hook people. Because, I mean, for them, it's... It makes sense because if you get someone to buy a 3DS or a 2DS, excuse me, yeah, essentially 50 bucks, you're introducing them to this whole like 3DS game ecosystem where they're going to keep buying stuff. Like it's they're going to see those Nintendo Selects that are on sale and go, hey, I can get, you know, all these games I've heard great things about on 3DS, but now they're only 20, 30 bucks a pop instead of 40. And Nintendo's just raking in money doing nothing. They're not producing, they don't have to make new games. They don't have to, you know, create new hardware. They're just milking what's there. It's like a whole untapped audience of these younger kids or people that just didn't want to spend all the money or, whatever it may be it's it's extremely smart and actually now that i think about it i think this is what kimishima was alluding to at some financial briefing like i'll say it was last year in 2015 but he was basically saying yeah we're targeting younger gamers we're targeting budget gamers we're targeting female gamers and i'm now realizing maybe he maybe this isn't exactly the strategy they're using but this 2ds thing does exactly that because you're you know, if you're picking it up for Pokemon Sun and Moon, you have access to all these other games. If you're picking it up for the Justin Out style Savvy Fashion Forward, you get all these other games at your fingertips now. If you're picking it up for Disney Magical Kingdom, sorry, Magical World 2, you're also now having access to all these other games. So it's, I suspect the reason it's dropping when it is, which is this coming week, is also because Kirby Planet Robobot's about to come out. Kid-friendly game. It hasn't come out yet? It comes out June 9th. Yikes. Yeah. I thought that game was out a nope, long time Nope, it's coming ago. out soon. And Disney Art Academy, which just came out, both of those, Robobot and Art Academy, are like prime like 2DS games. A parent could very easily be like, these look great, and pick up a $50 2DS Wait, with Disney Mario Kart. Disney Art Academy came out already? Uh, this past week, or it's about to come out. It's either this coming week or this past week. I think so it, it would have been last Thursday? Friday. comes out on Fridays. Oh, Thursday on the eShop, yeah. Hmm. I think it came out the 13th? Yeah, so it came out this past Friday. Kind of ominous to release a game on Friday the 13th, but I guess they figured the Disney, Disney's good luck will cancel it out. The, the pure charm of Disney will cancel out Black, or uh, Friday the 13th. But yeah, so as I mentioned, um, all 
that brings us to the announcements of Style Savvy and Disney Magical World 2, which to like the hardcore gamers may not be the boldest thing ever, but like fact of the matter is, um, one, the fact that they were announced with the 2DS automatically shows you that Nintendo's not even trying to hide their intentions here. They, these games are trying to target these people who are going to pick up a 2DS, not us, the core. But even then, the games themselves aren't bad, which is the second point. Like, in the case of Style Savvy, it has kind of a cult following over here and in Europe. It's actually been in Europe since last year. This is the third Style Savvy in Europe, I believe. The, it'll be the third one here, too, yeah. But, um... Yeah, like, in so in Fashion Forward, it comes out August 19th, the same day as Federation Force. So August 19th is the day of double F titles, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, so you got your, your core Metroid game, and then your, like, casual fashion, uh, style style fashion game. And, uh, it's, like, the game itself is actually supposed to be quite good. Like, if you can get over the hurdle of caring about fashion or not. You have six different jobs you, you try and do, you know, anything from, like, running a boutique to hair and makeup to whatever there are nineteen thousand different pieces of clothes like they're not skimping out on this and they're almost trying to hook us the like core fans into it because they have amiibo support now so they have what support? amiibo support sorry oh, i like amiibo support yes i i said that weird but in this new one if i guess for the 2ds owners you have to go buy the little dongle for 20 bucks 30 bucks to scan them in but in this new one you can scan in mario link samus etc and get clothing based on the characters which i feel like is an attempt to get the, us to care more about the game but in reality it's just like a little bonus for those who might already be interested like not to bash the like it sounds like for me it's not my thing i feel like for you it's not your thing correct me if i'm wrong maybe you're secretly <laughs> a huge style savvy fan no i think you would know if i was yeah i'm pretty a sure stylish person but uh <laughs> no don't be too hard on yourself but uh what was i gonna say yeah like for us i don't know if that's gonna hook us but it has you know like people will pick this up this is a smart move like even if we're going like bah fashion no like there are people that will buy this game and it's gonna help diversify nintendo's 2016 a little although i just wish there's more for us but nonetheless nonetheless um can't get too greedy yeah and i mean they're already priming the pump too they just put out the original style savvy for ds on wii virtual console last week which is no coincidence given this announcement so we shall see but uh yeah, that's just one of two. If games. I can say one thing about Stealth Savvy, yeah. I guess they have one catchy tune because it was in Smash Brothers. Oh yeah, that's um, right. But uh, I'm gonna be honest, I feel like the subtitle Trendsetters, which is a much better name than Fashion that Forward. Was a, well, I don't know. It, it was just, I don't know. Style, style, style Savvy Trendsetters sounds a little more like like saying a trend is more of an action than just being Fashion Forward, which is a state of being. Trendsetters does sound powerful. What? Trendsetters does sound powerful. Yeah, it's like it's like a call to action. Like you are, a tr- you will be a fashion forward. Sounds like you're doing something like not politically correct. Uh, fashion forward sounds. Yeah, no, you're right. It sounds like you're doing <laughs> you're like on the fringe. <laughs> like, like you're being like you're future proofing. Like all right, yeah. Like all right, I'm gonna design something. Keeping in mind that I don't know. Every, I don't know. Yeah, it's currently. like in five years, everyone will be wearing this. These first couple years, you're gonna find it really weird. But I'm telling you, it's not as fun as the term as trendsetters. I guess. No, trendsetters is a much better term. But uh, regardless of the fact, you know, so that's one game we're getting this fall that we now know about. The other um, is Disney Magical Kingdom 2, as I mentioned. And as you may recall, the original came out on 3DS a couple of years ago and was basically Disneyfied Animal Crossing. It was made by Namco Bandai. You ran a cafe as this little chibi character. And oh, that's all these different... me. Oh, you are me. That's yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so that they are chibi characters. Uh, you run a cafe and then all these random... Disney characters just kind of come and go, and you can follow them back to their world <laughs> in a not stalkery way, and then like do stuff with them. 
<laughs> that's literally the game just go it's like oh cool hi goofy i'll come with you sure no but um yeah you did like task for him and stuff so they're doing a sequel it's been out in japan for a while it's coming here to the states again targeting the 2ds like younger demographic and more interestingly the girl demographic because this one now that it's been a few years there's more disney franchises naturally so this one includes of course frozen it also includes Lilo and Stitch, Little Mermaid, Snow White. Are you getting the pattern here? It's all Disney princesses, except, well, kind of Lilo and Stitch, not really. But it's basically Disney princesses, the game. And one of the things in the press release that you can do in this one, you can dance with the princesses. So if you had any doubt who this was targeting, I think I think it just solidified that it's not for us, unless you really want to dance with Snow White. I, I don't know. Game right up your alley. Huh? Seemed like a game right up your alley. Uh, nah. But but the point is, this is just another kind of big-name game that Nintendo has to target this new demographic. Like, 2016 isn't our year, is what's becoming apparent. But when this comes out on October 14th, and we have Style 7 in August, you got this stuff for that other market. So, so yeah, it's 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 just sort of a sense of where things are going in 2016 for Nintendo. Um, Hand-in-hand with all this, though, is also how they're targeting, which is advertising. It's a horrible transition, but bear with me here. When they announced the 2DS price drop, they had a new ad. In the ad, at the end, was a slogan, an actual slogan. Nintendo's rebranding has gone as far as a slogan now. As you may recall, they had the red and white logo transition and all the signage at stores, and we talked about that. But now they're going all in with a whole new slogan. Hmm. Have you have you seen this yet? It's actually a really cool animation. It's like, it's almost like a very Coca-Cola. What? Who are we? No, I'll, no, it's not like that. It's uh, So the slogan is there's no play like it. A riff on there's no place like it. The problem is, when you say it out loud, it sounds horrible. Written out, it looks okay. Like, there's no play like it looks nice on a piece of paper, but when you say it out loud, it just sounds like you don't know English. I don't know. I don't like how it sounds, but I like how it looks. Because they do this cool thing in the animation where it's like the A, B, X, Y buttons kind of spin in, almost like Coca-Cola bubbles, and they form like the controller. You know, like they rotate in, they form like the little diamond, and then it says play under it, and then the words sort of spread out from there. Like, it's... It's cool and it emphasizes that Nintendo's all about buttons, which is something they've always said. You know, their smartphone is, but they always say what sets us apart from a smartphone is we have buttons for physical actions. So they're kind of doubling on that. But So which would you say is your favorite slogan by the, the big three? By the big three? All of them are kind of silly. I mean, greatness awaits is a little... Oh, that's right. Is a little... I forgot that was there. Greatness Wait, awaits is a little heavy wasn't it, and pretentious. Was, wasn't it live in your world, play in ours? Oh, that's an old one, though. That's from, like, the early PS... Late PS2, early PS3. You mean of all time or just the current batch? Because currently it's it's actually all, Xbox still has. Because wasn't Xbox on Jump In? It still is, I think. That one kind of made sense. Well, for the sorta. online thing, yeah, it was all about the online, right? Thing. And Xbox. Right, so, what's your favorite of all that. time? Oh, that's tricky. I did. I liked the Who Are You campaign that Nintendo did, but I was not a big the fan slogan of. And- the, the campaign was cool as a slogan it's weird because yeah. it's like it's weird because you're like watching an ad for metro and it's like who are you and i'm like a guy that's gonna buy the game who am i supposed to be uh, am i samus is that what they mean but uh i mean that's obviously what they meant but yeah i think who are you the campaign is super cool where they pasted the character heads on top like ta- taped them on top of real photos and stuff um touching is good at the time i thought it was really funny and clever i think we would like to play those my favorite Get in, and get in or get out is pretty good, too, mm-hmm. as is now you're playing with power yeah, and now you're playing with superpower. <laughs> but I like the Wii would like to play because, one, it was very, like, it was very fitting for the Wii, not just because of the name and the pun, which people, is, like, people Wii. People would say when they but, go to your house. But, it's very, yeah, it's very, like, friendly and inviting, which is what the Wii was all about. 
Like, it wasn't, like, get in or get out. It wasn't the super angry. Like, it wasn't, now you're playing with superpowers. This is intense, you guys. This is video games. It was very, like, more mass market friendly, which is what the Wii was all about. And it worked. Like, they used that story like for Tenet three years. Does what Nintendo? That one's pretty good because of the, the wordplay. I mean, we, our episode is called Horse of Cards. I can't judge anything <laughs> based on puns. But, but no, I, um, I think we were like to play as my favorite. What about you? I don't know. What were the... What the Game Advance? Did the Game Advance have any? No. Except uh, for... No. It did, I don't think it did. Um, the GameCube Whisper. Just go with that. Well, it's not even a slogan. It's just a, that's just a signature. See, that's what's weird about the uh, There's No Play Like It is it's both the slogan and like the sign-off for the commercial now. Much like GameCube ads ended with the GameCube. Like... Or Dreamcast had its thinking, which was actually kind of a good one. But uh, although it makes zero sense, <laughs> but um, yeah, the all Nintendo's ads presumably going forward got end with this. Uh, there's no play like it. Guess Sign off. Been, so. um, partial to now you're playing with power or get in or get out. I like get in too. or get out. Get in or get out is very similar to jump in, yeah. but with a Nintendo e pun thing going on. And very aggressive. It's just very like. It's very '90s attitude. Yeah. It is so '90s. It's not funny because the '90s was like. Get in or get out is probably sums up the '90s better than any other thing from the '90s. Like it's so perfectly like, hey, if you want to be one of the cool kids, you can do it. But if you don't, you know what, man, whatever. Like, but it's very like aggressive at the same time. It's it was a good one. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the others. You know what the weirdest ad was when, when PlayStation Two came out and they promoted it by making an ad for the PlayStation Nine. Do you remember that? It was like this weird futuristic. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, weird. Yeah. It's like the future starts now with PlayStation Two. It's like, well, no, you still have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then nine. But okay. Uh, I don't remember any for PlayStation. They also like had the one. Live Long players or whatever it was. Live Long Live, and Prosper? No, it was not Star Trek. They had Live Long and something else. But this this is for the players is one of their current oh, ones right. in Europe, I think, for PS4. But, uh, yeah, Touching is Good was an interesting one. I know I touched on it earlier, no pun intended, but it was an interesting one because, like, that's Nintendo trying to be edgy. And then they sent mannequin hands to some of us. Like, I got two mannequin hands from Nintendo, which normally would be extremely creepy. But in this context, I'm like, sweet, mannequin hands. <laughs> so, yeah, that was an interesting campaign. Where do you have them? How do you They're just buried in my closet. Oh. So, you know, if I ever, like, commit a murder and the police are looking for evidence of how I'm deranged, they'll see two mannequin hands next to, like, 3,000 Pokemon cards. And be, like, like, like full-size mannequin hands. No, like, when you go Macy's or something and there's mannequins with hands, they're those. Oh. All right, that was like a like a small replica of the No, list. it's a full-on mannequin hand. Wow. Two of them. Hmm. I will say one thing that I really like and I'm a I'm a stickler for like cool ad campaigns. Like one thing I really like the DS ads did, what the DS ads did was where so they'd be showing the footage and then they'd like they'd find a place to put two blue squares that look like the DS symbol and then have those like zoom, zo- out, zoom yeah. out into the system. Like that was always a slick touch, I thought. But yeah. um But yeah, so the point is there's a new slogan the reason I think it's significant is it's just the next step in Nintendo's very confident feeling rebranding they're doing, which gives me a lot of hope for NX next year. Like, if they're already, like, coming up with new slogans and have the whole new color scheme and they're very, very aggressively going in this direction, um, and, you know, they got Mitomo and my Nintendo up and running now, like, I'm, I'm, this feels like Nintendo's getting back some, like, swagger they lost and when they didn't do well with the Wii U. So it, it gives me hope that they, they really think they're going to nail it with NX. Mm-hmm. But we shall see. Um, one final thing to mention about those 2DS and 3DS games we were just talking about, Style Savvy, Magical, uh, Magical Kingdom, Magical World 2. Seriously, what a missed <laughs> opportunity, by the way. Why is it not Disney Magic Kingdom? Or Magical Kingdom? Calling it World is just like... I guess they try to sound... Bigger. Yeah. I mean, it's multiple kingdoms, but... It's just, I don't it, know. it just sounds bigger. I mean, you want to 
make it sound more grand, kingdom sounds... That's true. Well, in that case, they should have expanded it from kingdom to, like, no, that won't work. I mean, kingdom makes more sense, but... If, if I mean, they, they should, have, they have they a could Disney, on Disney Magical Galaxy. I mean, they have a integrate. Disney World. They yeah. could just call it Disney World. That's true. Yeah, that's true. They or took Disney's Magi- World. Magical <laughs> Kingdom is in Disney World, so by calling it Magical World, it's like mixing up their own branding, even though it's totally separate from Magic Kingdom and Disney World, <laughs> but it's also Disney, and it uses the same characters. I mean, they could call it Disney's World with an apostrophe S, but then mm. it sounds like you're, pl- I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> live, in, live in your world, play in ours. <laughs> Whose slogan was that? Oh, that was Sony as well. That's PlayStation as well. Live, yeah. you know, live in your world, play in ours. But, uh, yeah, the reason I brought those back up also, I know, is do you remember, I think we talked about at the beginning of the year, that rumor of the leaked 3DS list of games coming in 2016? So far, every single thing that's been announced was on that list. So we have one more supposedly big release to go, if that list is accurate. Which, I think it was uh, N-Stars, whatever n Star. That was the code name. I honestly thought that'd be Mario, uh, Mini Mario and friends the amiibo game but it's supposed to come out second half of the year and mini mario and friends is already out so who knows but there's a, there is one more secret somewhere out there so there might be one other big game this holiday but as of now it looks like for us we got metroid in august and pokemon in november and then for those who maybe are open to broader experiences you also got style savvy and disney thrown in there uh so that's 3ds in 2016 at least as of now then interestingly enough Wii U suddenly popped up in the news a bunch this week. Like, I kind of considered it a dead system, honestly. Like, I know there's games coming, but, like, I didn't expect, for example... Well, I mean, the, the Bowser video, that's definitely something. Bowser doing his baton twirls? Yeah. Oh, it's more than something. Let, let's <laughs> dwell on that for a minute. Let's, before we get to Minecraft... I, I never thought I would ever see Bowser animated that way. Like, and yes, I, 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 I tell me how you really feel I, about I, it. I think what made this more amazing was the fact that um, if I ever saw Bowser move so... Like gracefully, so gracefully he looks so light on his feet. Like for like a very heavy set character, they made him look so like floaty and I don't know, yeah, graceful. But I'm just like of of all the pieces for this to come from, I thought it would be like a fan made thing. But this was an official video, and this was just something that's part of it. That's not the best see, part of it. And is, I just want to see real. other characters <laughs> do this baton thing. I want to see Eggman do it. And that is why you need to be to be buying Mario and Sonic at the 2016 Rio Olympic Games coming to your Wii U this June. Yeah, coming to your a, Wii U personally. Yeah, you definitely put a smile to my face. Yeah, I. Uh, you know, it's it's. I feel like he's so graceful because he's been practicing. Another reason time. why Bowser is awesome. Because, yeah, there you go. Because he's an amazing dancer. He's an amazing baton twirler. Yeah. Or ribbon spin, ribbon twirler, baton Very spinner, whatever they call. Very. Although it's a little weird. Like, so I was, first of all, I tweeted, I'm just going to say it in the podcast too, but I tweeted at the time that, like, maybe we're the bad guys. Maybe this was really his passion all along, and we're the bad guys for not letting him do it till now. And that's why he's so graceful. So he's been practicing for 30 years, just waiting for that moment where finally someone's like, Bowser, besides kidnapping people, what, what do you offer to the world? And he's like, oh, check this out. <laughs> But that's the first thing. The second thing is he is dead in the eyes, and it's creepy. If you look at his face, the expression never changes for the whole video because they focus on his body animation. He's in the zone. He's he's so in the zone that, like, (laughs) his mouth doesn't move. I mean, it opens and closes, but it doesn't move. Like, yeah, he's just... That makes sense. I'm sure they, He's a husk of a Bowser. I mean, they they clearly have, like, just, like, one animation, and then they just have to, like, copy-paste it to all the bodies. So, I guess since every character has mouths in different locations, they can't really map that. Yeah, that, that, that's actually a very fair point. But but yeah, that video... I'm surprised you didn't like comment on it before now. Like, I tweeted about it. I was like, this I, is real. I was tweetless. You, you were, it left you tweetless. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was it was something. Um, 
Yeah, so that's coming in June, and along with that is also I don't even know how to transition away from that. So Bowser dances people. He also turns into pixel blocks. There we go. Because uh, Minecraft. That was a horrible transition. But yeah, the other big bit. That was a really cool surprise. Honestly. The Mario Minecraft mashup. Yep. By the way, uh, I called that the wrong thing. It is the Super Mario mashup pack for Minecraft Wii U edition. There we go. But yeah, it's it's. they said when they first brought Minecraft to the Wii U that they were working with Nintendo on some exclusive content. I interpreted that to mean a character skin, like one. Or some music thrown in. Or like a block set. No. This is a full, totally free thing that comes with 40 different character skins. A full texture pack, a full Mario World, sixteen really music well tune, like, sixteen Mario music things, and yes, it is. Yeah. Um, and also enemy textures are redone, so they're now Hammer Bros, Dry Bones, oh, no, yeah, that's it. Like, Goombas. Yeah, what, what they assigned everything to, it's like they just did an awesome job. They did. And in those worlds, it's like I just want to go explore them, but that means I would have to get the game. But it's only thirty bucks. Yeah, but I'm already like reinvested into regular Minecraft. Yeah, this one is more limited. Well, no, I mean... It is. It, the draw distance is the same as the next-gen versions. Um, you don't have access to all the mods that you can get on the PC version. It is literally more limited. Well, I mean, what I mean is, like, that normally wouldn't bother me. It's like, if mm. I wanted to... If I didn't own a copy of Minecraft and wasn't, like, in the middle of the game... Yeah. Um, I'd probably just get it anyway, because... I don't know, I just would just want to run around that Mario world. This is what's going to make me cave and buy Minecraft, I'm going to be honest. Really? I've never played it. I barely know how it works. I understand you craft things and you mine things well, and you don't die better, at night and you get things um, during the day. They, this, uh, the, console ver- the console versions of Minecraft, to my understanding, from the friend that yeah. plays the PlayStation version, yeah. um, you you don't have to figure out how to craft things. You don't have to go like, all right, I need four pieces of wood and put them in an upside-down U-shape to make leg- like leggings. I right. just have to... If I have the material that you need to make something, you just get a list of things. Like, Oh, oh yeah, they streamlined it for consoles. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, oh, all right, so I feel like that would make it very, very easy. Yeah, but no, this this is going to make me do it. Because, I mean, first of all, there's the four different co- costumes of character. Okay, so you got the usuals. You got Mario, Luigi, Peach, Bowser, whatever. Then out of nowhere, there's Waluigi. Then more out of nowhere is the um, is the wonderful and always ready for adventure Captain Toad. I can't believe they put Captain Toad yeah, in the game. That made me so Mario happy. Like random... Yeah, and then like Mario has his flood backpack in some of the stages. They recreated Delfino Plaza. They recreated an airship. <laughs> Mario from 10HD. Seriously. <laughs> they recreated the um, the um, airship from Mario 3. They recreated King Bob Omp. Yeah, it's like, like Bowser's it's insane. Castle. Bowser's Castle. It's crazy how much detail went into a free upgrade. Yeah. Like, I think the one thing, the one mistake they made with all of this, they even got the sun from Mario Sunshine's box art. Yeah. Like the squiggly sun from the logo. They even put that in there. But I think the one thing they did wrong is they're not emphasizing it enough on the physical release. So what they're doing is Minecraft, now that they have the Mario Mashup pack, which you can't... Yeah, they should have just replaced the cover with like, yes, a spray. Yes, they should have. Because you can't... For those who don't know, you can download... If you have the eShop version, you can download it right now and play it right now. But if you're like me, you go wait for the physical one. It'll be 30 bucks, same price as on the eShop, on June 17th in stores. And it's just a boring Minecraft box that has a little post on the side, like a little signpost that says, comes with Mario Map Pack. And I mean, it's like, I mean, great, like, but... Since you could play with, um... I mean, you could play Minecraft literally, like, on any device you want. Yeah. So... You need it to stand out. Yeah, so, I mean, it, because it's a texture pack, you could play with that texture pack throughout your entire Minecraft run, so... Which is what I'm doing. So, might as well, like, advertise it with that, like... It's a very miss. It's yeah, a very it's big like, misdoctrine. Yeah. Not only that, but it raises the profile of the Wii U, which at a time I know Nintendo's kind of abandoning the system. But still, 
Like, it doesn't hurt. They have 800,000 they want to sell in the next year. It doesn't hurt to raise his profile in stores a little by being like, hey, look at that Minecraft over there. Now look at this Minecraft mixed with Mario. Like, they could even just put a, a Mario character <laughs> in the box. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's a really weird op- – a really weird thing. Like, imagine how many kids are going to freak out if they go into a store not knowing about this and see, like, Mario Minecraft. I'm going to ask um, some of the kids. I'm going to see how many of them even know that this is – Yeah, did, did did anyone react to – what were the kids at the school – because, I mean, for those who don't know, Angel works at an elementary school. What are the, what the, how did the kids react to either Minecraft Mario and or Pokemon Sun Moon? Like, did they – was there, like – was it the talk of the school well, when I mean, the new when starters I asked them came out? Week, like, some of them didn't even know about it. About which? I gave you two Pokemon. things. Really? I have enough about Minecraft. Oh. Uh, hmm. Do a report for us next episode on... Actually, I'd be really curious when I think about it, because there's also the 2DS price drop. Like, everything we're talking about this episode, in some way, is more kid-friendly than usual. I'd be curious, like, how they... What they think of anything. The 2DS as a thing. Pokemon Sun Moon as a thing. Minecraft with Mario. You have to do an informal survey. It'd be kind of interesting. We'll see. But that's a no. <laughs> well, they're in the middle of testing. It's kind of hard to uh, test yeah. during the week. Yeah. Well, then maybe not. But if you if you glean if you overhear anything, just hide in the bushes and wait till children come near and then listen to them and then jump out at some point. And be like, thanks, guys, and leave. Nothing creepy about that except all of it. But but yeah, it's 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 making me cave and get Minecraft, which I never thought I'd do. Which is weird that as a gamer, I never played Minecraft before now. But hey, if it takes some plumbers. To get me to play it, then so be it. Um, and weirdly enough, June is actually... It's not just Minecraft. It's not just Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. There are actually, ready for this? Seven retail releases for the Wii in June alone. It might be the final seven games coming out for Wii U this year. I'm not sure. Wow. But there are seven in like a two-week span, which for most systems, that's okay. That's normal during the holidays. For Wii U, that's like life-changing so so if you didn't know we got mario and sonic we got minecraft which granted is already sort of out we got tokyo mirage session session sharp fe we've got the extremely random physical release of a steam port of the game of a port from steam of the game the book of unwritten tales 2 what i don't know i really don't know it's just there um nordic games is publishing it so that's one of seven we've got a wii u version of terraria Terraria, Terraria. We haven't had that yet? Not physical. Interesting. We've got Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens, which actually looks half decent. They brought all the cast in to do new dialogue. There are entire plot points that lead into the movie that aren't going to be told anywhere else. Like what her, like what uh, Han Solo was doing with Chewie when they went to go capture that monster or whatever that's in the ship in Force Awakens. Yeah. They tell you have not seen it, so don't oh yeah me. But listeners probably have. They they explain how they got the monster. Point being, all of that d- d- in the movie Star Wars, I feel like I should just hold up like one of those scroll the Star Wars scroll that just explains like Han and Chewie went off to the they when Han and Chewie are first reintroduced into Star Wars in episode seven, there's a monster on their ship that they apparently captured illegally and there's this whole thing that happens with it. And in the Force Awakens video game, the Lego Star Wars game, you get to learn how they caught the monster and why. Oh, I mean, I assume they caught it for bounty, but you got to learn how. So that's all coming. And then that's six games. The final, and I can't believe I'm saying this, my number nine out June 21st. I feel like if we use sound effects on the show, that would be one of those like record scratches. You know, like the wait, what record scratch? Like, Vroom! like that's totally what would happen there. Rise of Mighty Number Nine actually coming out for real on June twenty first. But yes, um, the developers at Concept have. You mean confirmed... they're not done announcing concepts for new games? 
no, but they're not done delaying my number nine either. That's my favorite part. So it's coming out. It's also delayed again. So it's coming out June 21st. It's gone gold. They are done with development. That's what that means. However, that's only the console ones. So if you want on 3DS or Vita, it has once again been delayed to an unspecified date. So, sorry? <laughs> so if you're on the Kickstarter and you didn't pick a con- like a home console, you're... Kind of a look. Well, they're resending. This is my this is my favorite part of this all. They're on Monday, so the day after this podcast goes up. They're resending the survey to all backers, saying, "Hey, just want to confirm which version you want." Which, to me, reading between the lines, means, "Hey, the 3DS and Vita ones are probably never coming out. So why don't you switch over to a console for us, won't you?" Like that's how I'm interpreting it. Those mm-hmm. have been delayed more times in the main game. I don't know how that's possible. But but nonetheless, mm-hmm. we are getting my number nine in June on the twenty first. Um, I am glad it's finally done. Like I did back the game, and I, I, my, my the only reason I'm saying it like that is I'm concerned. It's gonna sound absurd, but I said I'm concerned they're rushing. <laughs> they're rushing it out the door. <laughs> you want to delay it? <laughs> Let me explain. I think what's happening is they have a publisher now. They work with Deep Silver, so I think Deep Silver said. You guys gotta put the game out. So I'm worried they're gonna put out somehow an unfinished game. <laughs> it's been, I don't know, two it's a year late at least. But somehow I feel like I I'm still on edge. I'm still on guard that it's not gonna be done. So I'm worried, as weird as it sounds, that they're rushing out the game to meet June twenty first. I'm hoping I'm wrong. But like I just have this feeling that it's not gonna be like they're gonna have to patch it and the patch won't come out for three months or something's gonna go horribly wrong. And I'm saying this out of concern and care. Yeah. Not out, of, not out of making fun of them. I mean, let's really hope that that doesn't happen because I feel that will, like, I mean, if it hasn't already, I mean, if, if something like that happens, they'll, like, really, really ruin, like, Kickstarter's reputation for video games. Yeah. If it well, it's already. already somewhere Unless right. if it hasn't already. Yeah. I mean. Well, the whole crowdfunding video game thing's already fizzled out, I feel like. Because the problem is, and what people didn't realize at the time. Is when you kickstart a game, that means they're starting development of the game. Yeah, people, that means you're a good two years away. Yeah, from people are treating it. it like a pre-order for something that's going to come out soon, as opposed yeah. to we have an idea for a game we want to make, and we didn't need money. I mean, like Half Genie Hero, Shante, that's still not out, right? No, they, you know, they, we keep getting updates saying like, yeah, we're sorry about the late development, but we're here's where we are right now. We just yeah. finished design, done this, <laughs> blah blah blah. But you see, like they. And PlayLogic with uh, ukulele, Playtonics. or sorry, yeah, Playtonic, thank you, with ukulele, and a lot of those developers have learned, yeah, uh, Igarashi with his Castlevania-ish game, they have all learned from where concept went wrong with my number nine, and that is to not make too many promises, in the sense of, like, all these games, I think, I think the backfiring of what happened with my number nine and some other Kickstarter games is, is what led to it being less popular, but what I was going to say is they all learned from concept's mistake of don't over promise don't say it will be out february 14th oh, it's not gonna be out thing, yeah, till but, june but don't then they, but then they kept like they had that second kickstarter yes and don't oversell the, your and don't stretch yourself too thin the That's anime the thing and then yeah red red cloud or whatever it was red storm red Dead and an- oh oh that's separate okay no, you don't know like, about that no, one. so they had the anime stuff, right like, so they they made the promise of the game and then they the franchise exactly and then that didn't work so they did a second Kickstarter that sort of where I don't know but then they did a third Kickstarter last or the fall after so they announced the game they kickstart oh, the I game didn't hear about this one they announced the anime which again I've said on the show a million times but it was the most awkward thing to be physically at the announcement of and then they like the like you know they're like we're gonna do an anime and there's like one guy just like. Yeah, 
cool. And everyone else is like, wait, what? But so they announced that. And then that fall, they announced a separate game that was going to be the spiritual successor of Mega Man Legends called Red Cloud, Red Storm, Red something. Oh, the Red Storm. That full on failed. Like that Kickstarter completely failed because people got fed up. They're like, well, you can't even deliver the first one. So then like watching, watching Comcept navigate that and then go radio silent all of a sudden. Like they announced in February it was delayed. Then they said nothing. They said it'll be in spring. Then they said nothing as spring continued on. And then only now have they said, okay, it's actually going to be June 21st, which is summer, so that's another delay, but whatever. Um, watching how Concept has tried to navigate this, first being like over-promisey with like, oh, we're going to have it on this day, it's going to have this feature and that feature, and they're going to keep piling things on. And then watching them immediately recoil and go the other way and just say radio silent, which led to multiple articles about how they're not talking anymore. Like, whichever angle, both are the wrong approach. And I feel like everyone else has learned from that has either decided to stay away from Kickstarter or has decided to, like, do what WayForward does with your Shantae Kickstarter and just give regular updates but make no guarantees about anything. And the no-guarantee approach is great for those who understand Kickstarter's purpose, but going back to what you're saying, Angel, it doesn't help with the fact that most people view this as a pre-order for a game that'll be out within 12 months when it won't. Yeah. So I think Kickstarter is a thing. I mean, I... You know, I read through Go Nintendo every day, like, because they just post everything about Nintendo. There's a, there's a period there, probably, like, a year or so, maybe a little less, where there was at least two times, at least two times a week. I would, cause I, you know, check it daily, 10 articles, 20 articles, whatever, two times a week, multiple articles on there would be about a new Kickstarter or this update on this other Kickstarter or like Kickstarter was everywhere. If you go look at it now, there's still occasional ones, but it is way less. We used to cover Kickstarter games a lot. We talked about hyper, uh, hyper light drifter. We talked about nineties arcade racer. We talked about a lot. Hyperlight's no longer coming to Wii U anytime soon, if at all. 90s Arcade Racer may or may not have been shifted from being a Wii U PC game to a PS4 Xbox One game, even though the backers paid for the Wii U one. Uh, like, there's all this craziness. It's just like Kickstarter's yeah. not worth video, the hassle. Yeah, video games on and Kickstarter just seem really, well, really iffy. I mean, it's just it's a trend that fizzled yeah, out. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's if you're gonna Kickstarter, then there's definitely safer bets. I mean, for instance, um. The Ninja Turtle tabletop game I, I, I kickstarted. Um, I don't even remember how months ago it was. Yeah, but I mean that one's like still on track. I mean it's supposed to come out in July, and they've already got everything approved. But I mean it's a card game. Like there isn't really there's no bugs. Yeah, like all they really have, they, the most difficult thing they have to get right is just the minifigures. Like just making sure they're at the quality they promised and everything. Right. And they're giving us updates and everything. But and do you remember how many months ago was that? This year? That was this year. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, within six months, like, we're probably going to get that. Yeah, and, I mean, the, the interesting thing I've seen is with Kickstarters that aren't video games, they are shifting towards almost a pre-order, an actual pre-order system, where it's like, hey, this product's 90% done, we need a little more funding just to know how many to make, so this is almost like a pre-order test. Yeah, to order it, you'll get a discount like, now, and then you'll get the full I mean, game It later. felt like the game was already going to come out, product. but all the Kickstarter did was just improve something, like, oh, all right, before, whereas before we were only going to have, like, paper cutouts for some of the enemies and now yep. we actually get minifigures for the enemies right, or now right. we have extra dice that you don't have to share with everybody and that's how it should be done so that's pretty much like, i mean which is fine I mean, now now to be fair to video game developers on kickstarter it's not like they're the only ones that suck at kickstarter there was this cooler i forgot what it was called like the awesome cooler or something the cooler cooler the coolest cooler something like that most successful kickstarter ever the cooler comes with like a fridge like an ice maker, a Bluetooth speaker. It's like insane. Like a, a 
you would like a uh, soda tap, like ridiculous a things cooler, that you wouldn't need. Cooler? It's called something like that. It was the most successfully funded Kickstarter ever. It's a cooler with a speaker in it, essentially. It has huh. been, I don't even know how long since it was announced. They raised something like $13 million. Oh, wow. Half the backers still don't have the thing, yet it's up for sale on Amazon. Like, they botched it somehow. Like, I don't know, right. but this is, like, this issue of Kickstarter isn't well, exclusive to video games, is my point. Well, yeah, I mean, it I, sucks, but, yeah. I mean, hopefully it doesn't end up like that, but, um, like, the Senate, the people from Explosion, Senate and Happiness, like, they put out a a card game, kind of like Cards Against Humanity, yeah. that they only asked $10,000 for, but they got, like, over a million. Wow. And, and I remember that was, like, less than half the way through their campaign, and then at some point they got um, Justin Roiland to help them with their campaign and do, like, some voice work for, like, a bad right, guy, right. Or I don't know what. Of Rick and Morty fame, for those who don't know. And, I mean, from what I can tell, I mean, it's a card game, so it's going to get printed. I mean, yeah. they're going to get it done, but... No, and the problem is these few bad examples sour the entire experience. Yeah. Like, there are probably yeah, a ton like, of well, awesome yeah, like things our, on Kickstarter yeah, and like games. And got a, he, he got himself a wallet from what? Kickstarter. Um, our friend Gilbert, he got, like, the oh, wallet, the bark. It's a wallet because... Wait, what? <laughs> what, you don't know? <laughs> no. All right, so our friend, um, back to Kickstarter... I want to say it was definitely well over a year ago because I remember saying like, oh, they still haven't gotten it to me. And I guess they finally got on his wallet this year. And all it does is um, if you're a person that I guess loses your wallet a lot, which I didn't know is what he was. Oh, this. Yeah. Yeah. So if your wallet is a certain distance away from your phone, it will your phone will start barking and will let you know that you forgot your wallet. And if you're near, it'll kind of like radar it like, oh, it's in this direction. Or it's yeah. over here. And then you'll find it. And you could That's also fine. get video keys and stuff. And there are a lot of successful Kickstarters like that. Like, uh, I don't know if you've seen at Best Buy, there's a little thing called Tile. You put it on your keychain, and it's a Bluetooth beacon for your phone. So whatever, it's like the, the wallet, but wherever you leave anywhere in your house, if you leave, it'll tell you, like, oh, we can't find this item anymore. You should go back. Here's a little yeah, like, icon it, of where it was. It's like hot or cold. <laughs> yeah, basically. But, yeah. like, they're, they're selling these at Best Buy now. My My Apple Watch band started as a Kickstarter. Like, there's a lot of successful ones. But a few things, like in, like how my number nine did kind of poison the pool for everyone and then make you realize maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be or maybe you need to change your approach. So to bring it all back around to my number nine, I am very hopeful this game's actually going to be good. I want it to be good. I had a lot of fun playing it at Comic-Con last year. It really does kind of feel like Mega Man, even if it doesn't look like the concept art they originally showed us. But I feel like the drama with it was just, and this is true of a lot of Kickstarters, it was like such a never-ending back and forth that made Kanye's last album look like like a very peaceful, normal rollout. Because like for those who didn't follow Kanye, it went from will it release to when will it release to oh, it's delayed, oh, it's not delayed, oh, here it is, except it's not finished, but hold on, we're going to add this other song, but we're taking away this song, but we're splitting it, but it's only on title, but now it's on everything. Like It was, it was like a three-month ordeal of craziness. And I feel like somehow my number nine has surpassed that by definitely yeah by a lot so so hopefully it's good i'm for sure excited to play it on june 21st i'm just hoping it's like a nice good game so and it is one of the seven wii games coming out on june in june so one of the seven wii u games probably coming out this entire year so enjoy it soak it up play it and then hope that they don't do a sequel on kickstarter to compete against wait that's a lie. It has six, it has other, six other games, games to compete, but only in June. Once you get to July and August, it only has three DS games to compete against, such as Monster Hunter Generations. Look at that transition, which um, is coming out in on July fourteenth with a special edition three DS, new three DS XL specifically. Um, so Generations, 
the game. We don't know more about it than we previously have. It's kind of the same old, same old, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of details. But the 3DS looks pretty nice. It's it's weird. So in America, we get a blue new 3DS XL with the like the logo. So the, in the middle. I kind of yeah. like the old new 3DS better. Wait, I, what? what? Well, we just like with the logo like offset on the oh, side. Oh, you mean the design of it? Yeah. Yeah, the design. Of I thought it. I meant the actual system. Oh like, no, 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 no. I just like I, I guess I just like how that one looks because this one yeah. just kind of feels like a like a logo like smack in the middle. It just feels. But the thing I don't like about the logo is, so it has, like... I guess the logo just doesn't look as cool as that one. That one's just, like, a cool dragon swirl. Yeah. That just like... Well, the logo, I don't mind. Like, the logos, for those who um, haven't seen the new 3DS yet, it's basically... A four square. It's the back... Yeah, it's like a four square. It's the back of um, the the logo for the game. Like, the, the artwork behind the word Hunter. Yeah. But by itself, without the word. And then, randomly under it, they decide to write out Monster Hunter Generations. I feel like if they took out that text, it would help a lot. Like, the text feels unnecessary. Yeah. It's still not as... I agree. The other one's a little cooler because it's a little less intense. But, um, but yeah, it's it's not bad. The thing I find weird is, so in America, we get a blue one. A new 3DS XL in blue with the logo on the lid. They don't get a blue or a red? No. Oh. We get blue. In Europe, they get... I think it's blue. Yeah, and we get blue, and in Europe, they get red of the same thing. Here's where it gets weird. In Europe, the game is pre-installed on it. In America, you gotta pay separately for the game. Wow. Yeah, NOA being cheap. Wow. What are you going to do? But yeah. uh, it's a little odd. But yeah, I, I think I too uh, like the... Uh, I mean, in spite of that, it's one. kind of tempting to get it, but at the same time, it's like... You don't have a new 3DS XL, do you? No. Um, it just feels way too late in the life cycle of the 3DS, even if it's not the end of the life cycle of the 3DS. I mean, I'm just saying that. Yeah. Just to get a new unless new you're talk- 3DS. Unless you're talking about an $80... 2DS that comes with Mario Kart pre-installed. No, but that's like, it would have to be a new 3DS because, yeah, yeah. I mean, the new 3DS, like, they do make um, Monster Hunter run better and have nicer textures. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not required and there are some points, especially with the weapon that I like to use, at least in Monster Hunter 4, the second stick would have definitely come tremendously in handy because right. it's almost like a first-person mode weapon sometimes. Wait, they don't use it for camera? They use a C-stick to do a separate weapon? No, um, for camera. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, but I mean, you you manage you you pretty much learn how to play without the second stick, which is fine. But it just kind of makes me go back to like, oh, I kind of wish there was a console version to complement the portable version, like Monster Hunter Three. I just felt like, I mean, it's probably not cost effective, but for a player, as a player, it just much better. Pad Pro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um. Is it even? I mean, I would have to get one for the XL, but I uh, they do make one for the XL. Oh, it's probably gigantic. Or it makes your XL look like the size of someone's shoe, probably, but well, <laughs> like a large shoe, opposed to a small well, shoe. I mean, at least it comes out like right before the trip to Japan, so my brother yeah. and I will definitely be playing that. Yeah, you're gonna have a long flight. How long are you you're in Japan for? What a week? A week in late July. Yeah, you're gonna have a long flight. Yep. You have a lot of monsters to hunt. Yep. They're very courteous to release it like Comic Con week base or two weeks before Comic Con. Ten days, yeah. which then means three weeks for Japan for you. That's not all they're helping you with. They're also bringing over the new Phoenix, right? Uh, Capcom's on a roll. They're they're the ones keeping 3DS owners busy. The more core guys like us. I know, seriously, like two of my favorite franchises, two months apart. Yep. Yeah. So you got Monster in July, and then uh, Ace Attorney Six will be getting a digital release here in the yeah, U.S. in September, only, which is fine. I'd rather it be consistent now that mm-hmm. it's only digital. It would kind of bother me if they released it physical, because then it's like, no, I want the other one yeah. physical. But we also didn't even get it's a training investigations too. Yet. It's like a, yeah. You never I, know. I, I, I no, it's know, never I, coming. Yeah. But yeah, so then at, at this point I'm either somehow just trying to figure out how to play the fan translated one or I don't know. 
um, learn Japanese, and I mean DS. It's a DS game, and DS games aren't region locked, so I should. That's true. So I should be able to. Play. And you were at one point in your life learning Japanese. I mean, I could read a lot of the things, but I, I don't know any vocabulary, so reading it is kind of pointless. It's like I'm sounding things out without knowing what. And, it, and I feel like a game like Phoenix Wright or oh, yeah. Ace Attorney Investigations, you kind of need to know it because it's a reading game. Yeah, but see, that, that's kind of like the real bummer. Like, I kind of yeah. don't want to, I definitely don't want to play the Japanese version because, like, sure, I could play through the game if I had a, if I really want to, I could try to figure out how to play through the yeah. game. But what I really, what made me love Phoenix Wright a lot was just the writing and the localization of it. Because, I mean, they went out of their way to kind of make it specific to our region. So, like, there right. was this stuff that, like, inside jokes or blah 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 like references were, and jokes and yeah puns and, and, and not only that but um i mean in our universe i mean in the u.s the game was set in la whereas in japan it's set in japan and they kind of made it work but i mean it's like i don't know you kind of you play with the cards you don't yeah and i just got used to this like world. in pocket card jockey which we were talking about later in the show yeah not to I mention could, the names sorry, every time we mention cards or card puns i'm just gonna plug it i mean yeah not, not to mention the names like Phoenix's name is like Nahuri too. I forgot what it right, is, but right. it's not Phoenix. Right. And Maya is not Maya. Like it would just make it kind of like it would always kind of take me out of it. Like wait, oh that's right, that's this person. Oh that's this person. Yeah. I mean, and then maybe the fan translation is good, but I don't know. I mean, they're not the same people that it's, did. Yeah, it, no, so, it's not yeah. the same. Yeah, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. a valid point. Like a game like that, you need it to be. It loses everything if it's written by someone. I mean, I'm just hoping this the right person. What appears to be like a surge in popularity with the game, they republish the. The Art of Ace Attorney that I missed out on for a long time uh-huh. that I finally managed to get. And then they have the anime. Like, I'm hoping all this kind of just tell, like, you know what, let's just re-release the DS game for download. So, There's a Wii U Virtual Console that's at the ready for DS games. Yeah. Or let me phrase it, a DS Virtual Console on Wii U that's at the ready. Well, I mean, doesn't the... Yeah. Yeah, do that. They even have a DS emulator up and running on 3DS. Look at WarioWare Touch being a My Nintendo reward. Yeah. So they yeah. could definitely make it happen if they want. Yep. Um, but in the meantime, we got Ace Attorney 6, which is now officially titled Spirit... Ace, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Spirit of Justice. So there you go. Yep. It's interesting, because is this the first game where they're splitting the story? Like, so according to what Capcom's putting out, I mean, you know more about game than I do, but part of the game is set in this faraway kingdom where Phoenix is. Phoenix Wright shows up, and they don't have lawyers, and he's like... They do everything through seances, but he knows this is... No, there's, it's, there's it's discrepancies. It's hometown, basically. Oh, Okay. But that's, that's one storyline. And then he you know, he shows up and he like wags his finger and shouts objection and whatnot, and that's his part of the game. But then separately, there's Apollo Justice back in normal... In LA. <laughs> wherever, yeah. And he's just doing normal court things. Is it really basically two games mushed together like that? I mean, it sounds like... I mean, I'm sure they'll have them connected It's cool if it I is, mean, that, that's, yeah. that's the nice thing about those games. They always seem to make everything connect at the end in like the right. craziest way like oh everything was always so connected how yeah. did I not see it the yeah. whole time oh I'm sure I'm sure they're gonna intertwine but I just yeah. meant like it's cool that they're actually splitting because well, I, mean, I feel like every Phoenix right correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like all of them have a gameplay hook like this one's the seance and it's like you have to find discrepancies mm. in the memory the, the last one or the, I would say the last few um, I guess at least ever since Apollo was introduced um, yeah. like depending they always kind of change what character you're controlling in mm-hmm. the beginning of each chapter, like especially the last one, like once you're controlling Phoenix, so in, in that chap in that chapter of the game, you have control. You're using the that gameplay of the the lie detector thing, right. the chains. Right. Then you get to play as Athena. Now you get to do the emotion thing. Then you get to play the P- Apollo. So you do the the watching subtle movement thing. Right. Right. So I'm assuming uh, I'm assuming there's going to be no different, except that they're going to be in completely different places. Sure. Okay. So so it's like no different than the last one. Just 
Right. Phoenix is over here. Okay. And yeah. Apollo's over there. Okay. Because I didn't realize they. Because I remember the early sequels. It was like the new gameplay hook, not well, the gameplay hook on built on top of all these other. Well, because there was no other lawyer to play with besides right. Phoenix. But now they have the two. So that makes yeah. sense. Okay. That's cool though, because that makes more variety, and yeah. you know that's always a good thing with a game. Um. Yeah. So uh, I guess unless there's anything else you want to say about Phoenix, right? I'm gonna do. I have this transition no, in my just, head that I'm gonna just, roll just, with. Just looking forward to it. That's pretty much it. I need to jump back into the series. Like honestly, I should that, just that, get back in. I mean, in. that game. Like, I feel like I have to start it too. I mean, work I, my way. I mean, I have like, like I've told you, like the the list of games like I feel Jason would actually enjoy and can make it through to the end would be like any Phoenix Wright game mm-hmm. and the Telltale games from Walking Dead. Like, I feel like neither of which I've played. Like, I feel like you would really enjoy those, and you could actually play them. Out. I, I feel like. You would enjoy them enough to bother to try to play them out. To you the know what's end. crazy is like I feel like that's like I played and beat the first Phoenix Wright and liked it a lot, and then just never went back, and I don't know why. Well, but now I feel like if I go back, I go all the way back to two and work my way up to six, and that's easier. Well, you have them all, but that's still well. You, I was thinking to let you borrow four because four they haven't. Oh, it's for like the uh, like the reset of sorts for it. Well, it's where Apollo's introduced. Oh, right, right, and, and I guess two and three aren't as crucial to that storyline, yeah. Well, I mean, they're all, they all play off each other. From, see, yeah. see, I should go back to two. <laughs> Not that like you should go back to two. Oh, but you said you're gonna let me borrow four. I still have to let you borrow four because even if you get like the the Ace Attorney trilogy, which is on sale by the way right now for seventeen bucks on the eShop. Oh, in in tandem with the announcement, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, that only comes with one, two, and three. Oh, I could buy one. Gotcha. Yeah, I forgot I could. You buy can't them get four on anywhere eShop. else. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Like I would have to let you borrow four, and right. then you could play five and six yeah. or whatever. All right, maybe maybe that'll be my my goal for twenty sixteen is get that. I game. mean, you like to read, and you you probably get through I the like games. You probably get through the games faster than I would because you're like such a fast reader. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying I read slow, but you're like a exceptionally. I also fast eat incredibly fast. Just fun facts about Jason, and that we're just dropping in this episode. Like random. if if. If Attorney was written as a book, like, without any pictures, you could probably finish it in, like, two days. But that requires me to stop everything else I'm doing. And the only time I stop what I'm doing to read a book I mean, like is Harry Potter, because I don't want to be spoiled when oh. when Snape kills Dumbledore. What? Sorry. <laughs> no, but, like, I don't want to, yeah. That's the only time I stop everything, because, like, I didn't dare venture on the internet when the last Harry Potter book came out, because who knew what would get spoiled. Yeah. But maybe I'll make maybe I'll do that. For, maybe I need to find a day where there, I have nothing going on and just be like, it's Phoenix uh, Day. That's never gonna happen. I can make it happen. I'll just go move into a Why cave on a cliffside. Because I like being connected to the world. And if I leave Twitter for more than two hours, I get anxious. Okay, that's that's a lie. <laughs> I don't get anxious. I don't get anxious, but it, it, I do right. like to be on top of things. Um, let, let's quickly pe- move away from my Twitter comment real quick to something totally unrelated. So do the infinity. Yes. Uh, you ruined my great transition. I had a transition in my back of my you head did. that I was waiting for so long to say, which was, we spent a lot of this episode talking about what we're getting in 2016, but here's one thing we're not getting this year or ever again, Disney Infinity. So it's a little harsh, but, uh, but yeah, it was kind of a surprising move. Disney announced Ooh. that they are essentially shutting down their video game division entirely. And with that means there's no more Disney Infinity. Which I would argue had the best, um... Figures, just because... Yeah, figures, yes. Figures, yeah. Just because Implementation, they, maybe not. <laughs> no, just, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm strictly figures because yeah. of their unified design that they incorporated to everything. Oh, they look great. I love oh, yeah. how everyone like, matched. <laughs> I, I've, I was so close so many times to just getting specific ones just because like, I wanted a Donald, I wanted an Aladdin. Yeah. And I love Zootopia, so I kind of was tempted to get the Nick and Judy, but... 
Yeah. Yeah. But. I mean, honestly, the writing should have been on the wall that this was going to happen. I mean, first of all, they announced, which is, this is crazy, they are doing a $147 million write-off because of Disney Ooh, Maybe they're going to be on clearance now. Can oh, they certainly like two will. Books they have two more packs coming out for Alice in Wonderland Through the Looking Glass and I want to say Finding Dory, I think. And those two, because they're already being produced, once those are done, it's done. So there will be a lot on sale. Because, uh, yeah, $147 million write-off, that's mostly due to... Uh, overstock of toy inventory toys mm. not selling so it we should have seen it kind of because things got fishy in like february maybe they announced that there was not gonna be a disney infinity 4.0 this year they've been doing them yearly and then they said no nah, we're gonna we're gonna make three into an expanded platform which is like okay i guess and then in march they suddenly pulled out of e3 disney entirely just was like we're not doing e3 so in retrospect while those seemed a little strange at the time because chalk it up to them just not making disney 4 Infinity 4, they're now doing nothing at all. And it sucks because 300 people are now out of jobs. Uh, fans of the franchise are now screwed because they won't have anything more to play. But I kind of feel like it was doomed from the start in a way. Like, the figurines look great, but I feel like the promise of the game was this, or the premise and the promise of the game were this great idea of, like, regardless of what you like, if you are anyone that pays attention to pop culture, there's something in this game you'll enjoy. Because, I mean, Disney... Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, all in one mix and match, like mishmash, mix and mingle I mean, situation. Their toy That's box, cool. I thought was really, really, really good. But where I think it kind of fell short was, um, I guess the other side. Like, I think yeah. a lot of people hope that, like, oh, I could play as a Marvel character in like the world of That's what's Monster Inc. or something. But it's like, oh, lo and behold, you can only play as Monster Inc. characters in Monster Inc. world. Like, you can't mix and match, and you're stuck with these like kind of. They made little stories. Honestly, that's what screwed them over, I yeah. think. Because the whole premise of the game was all these worlds collide. That's why they all look the same, because they could be interchangeable. You could put Spider-Man into this in the toy box or whatever, but not really. Because even kind of building on what you're saying, yeah, a lot of characters worked in a toy box, but some characters you scan in only had missions of their own. You couldn't be like, oh, I love the racetrack from the guy I got from Cars. I'm going to throw in Thor and smash it to bits. Nope, can't do that. But... If you want to put them both in a nice empty park in Toy Box, you can. Like, it's like there's – it's very surprisingly limited for something that was supposed to be this unifying, like, almost like the Smash Bros. equivalent for Disney without the fighting. Yeah. So I think I think that hurt them more than helped them in they a lot of ways. They had mode. That's true. That is true. We talked about that when it happened. And, and that's the thing is they slowly learned. Like, so Disney Infinity 1 was the worst scenario of that. Disney Infinity 2.0, they expanded the toy box. You could actually basically build whatever you want, which gave you the flexibility to then say, okay, I can't put Spider-Man on the track from Cars, but I could rebuild the track from Cars and then put so Spider-Man in there. Mm-hmm. But it's like, that's a lot of effort for something that should have just been there from the start. And 3.0, they started like flushing out those little side missions. Like those individual missions for characters are really like short and kind of bland. But what I remember reading when 3.0 came out where reviews were saying, oh, like, the Star Wars missions are actually really fun. There's, like, good lightsaber combat. And they actually, you know, moved it forward gameplay-wise. And then Kotaku put out this article about what uh, Disney was going to do for 4.0. It actually sounded like it would have addressed everything if they went through with it. So in the article, they were saying that, like, there's going to be a fully a full-fledged single-player mode that intertwined, like, everyone. There would be Star Wars and Marvel crossing paths and all sorts of stuff like that. And then separately from that, they were also going to make the figurines more of a thing than just get every character you want. They're going to start doing like 12-inch figurines and like more collectible ones and rarer ones and do things that were like a little more than just here's Captain America and here's a see-through Captain America that both do the same thing. So they were going down the right path. They didn't get there fast enough. They didn't get there fast enough and their bubble 
kind of burst. I mean, the the problem to me is that Toy to Life products in general are stuck in the same situation that we saw happen to Rock Band and Guitar Hero. Like, remember when Rock Band and Guitar Hero were everywhere and you could just buy it and it was great and then a year later they were nowhere and you couldn't buy it and it was also great because you didn't care anymore? But the the issue is when you have a lot of plastic, whatever the plastic may be, people run out of space. Retailers run out of space. People get tired of buying your overpriced plastic. So we saw it happen with music games and it seems like if there's not compelling enough content to get you to keep buying your plastic, it's not the bubble will burst. What? Crazy idea. But here's here's where Disney went wrong and here's why they don't seem to realize this. They made 2 million Hulk figurines for Disney Infinity. 2 million of just the Hulk. Now, <laughs> now that's what Kotaku says. We're going to get so another E.T. landfill situation? With like we might, guy. because here's the thing. They only sold one million of them. That means there are a million Hulks <laughs> just out in the world. Whoa. Like, the reason I'm sharing this is, like, Disney was doing everything right. They were progressing the game forward. They were making characters that were popular. But who in their right mind was like, you know, there's a lot of Hulk merchandise, but there's not a lot of Disney Infinity Hulk merchandise. What if we made two million of these? Like, it suddenly makes Nintendo look so much, so much Disney smarter. Disney should have done some research for, like, let's look at... An actual, like, just a Hulk figurine. How many has that sold? Oh, under two million. But I think our little one that doesn't even, like, have... <laughs> We're easily like, possibility. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea how that's even possible. Like, again, Hulk's popular. Merchandise is popular. I get it. But, like, specifically Disney Infinity Hulk? I don't know if there's enough demand for two million of those. The game hasn't even sold that many. Well, by now it probably has. But, like, that. It was Disney's mismanagement of that that led to the downfall. And, unfortunately screwed these people out of their jobs and ruined what could have been a super cool experience with Disney Infinity 4. But the 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 fortunate, most unfortunate part of this for us, the fans of these sort of things, is it might be a symptom of a bigger problem. Like, I haven't seen hard numbers of uh, LEGO Dimensions, but I've been hearing anecdotally, like seeing online from people that are in the know, that it's not selling gangbusters either. And then we've had Activision previously go on record in their financials and say that they had to lay people off because Sky, Skylanders Supercharge underperformed last year. Now, they're still going full steam ahead with Skylanders. They have a new game this year, and they have a TV show for the first time. But who knows how that's going to do. It's all up in the air. Like, it kind of... All this kind of makes me wonder what's going to happen with Amiibo. Because on the one hand, Nintendo, uh, in many ways, now looks way smarter with how they handled Amiibo than they did a year ago when we were complaining about Amiibo every episode. Like, there, I think they're two... They're probably, like, two traits of amiibo that make it kind of unique and help it maybe not hit this issue that other toy life brands have i think first of all um they feature characters with no other merchandise they can't have a hulk situation because if you want you know um let's say captain falcon or chibi robo or rob the robot or falco or whatever you can't just go to the disney store and see 20 varieties of them and do I, and go do i want the little plastic one do i want the big plush one do i want to do i want a, a falcon punch glove like they have the whole hand <laughs> like you can't do that with nintendo characters so automatically amiibo have the edge of not just being a toy accessory but actual collectible merchandise that stands on its own like it doesn't need the games to still sell at least somewhat well so that's one plus that Nintendo has with Amiibo. Uh, and then the second thing is even if you're buying Amiibo for a video game, they keep working with more and more games because Amiibo is a platform for Nintendo and all their games hook into it. It's not Disney Infinity where you're only buying it for Disney Infinity. It goes back to the merchandise thing. 
you have five Hulks. Why do you need a sixth for one game? Whatever. You don't really have that many Marios, let's say. Although that's rapidly changing and they might run into this problem because of it. But let's say you don't have very many Luigi's or Marios. You could buy this one that will work not just with Smash Bros., not just with Mario Kart, not just with uh, Yoshi Woolly World, but then like every single Nintendo release for the next two years or something. Like it's a bit more of an investment. Like a sound investment. It's not a one-off thing that your parents, if your kid is going to be like, but you have 20 of those. What's this one more going to do? Well, it works in like 17 games. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the one thing for like Amiibo have going for them. I mean, their value yeah. is steadily increasing. I mean... Slowly. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think even I still... If, even if minute, like for some things, but yeah. it's still increasing. And I think, honestly, because we've complained about the Amiibo thing in the past, you know, like there's not a big hook for them. It's just kind of a steady thing. And I think, I, I think that still stands. Like Nintendo needs a game... To prevent a, like, total bubble burst situation, Nintendo is going to need a game that, like, puts those amiibo to use in some more meaningful way, I feel like. Like, having them do minor things across games is kind of good to get them to not become a bubble burst situation. But honestly, if people don't find the functionality worthwhile, even across 12 games or whatever, or if they go, this is the other one Nintendo really needs to think about, or if they go, like, hey, you know, I have enough of these. I have enough amiibo to accomplish what I do in my games. I have enough amiibo. I have enough variants of Mario or whatever. I have a Gold Mario, Silver Mario, Doctor Mario, Regular Mario, Smash Mario, Mario Party Mario. You know, they're whatever it may be. You know, they might run into an issue where there's nothing to compel people to keep buying, and that could cause sales to slip. So I think it's a really fine line to test to walk. And they have the advantage of being the only one that gets to walk this line because of their unique product offering. But they have a really fine line where it's like they have to justify the amiibo's existence to make you buy it in the first place. And then they somehow have to convince you to keep buying them. And where Disney went wrong, in my opinion, is they had the reason to... They had the justification of, here's this game. Then the game didn't do what people necessarily wanted to do. And they didn't have a follow-up reason of, well, here's why you need to buy these toys anyway. And that's how you lose $147 million on a million extra Hulk figures. So that, that's my two cents. I mean, Nintendo's having their struggles, too. Like, Smash Bros. nailed it. Animal Crossing Amiibo cards are nailing it. Um, like, uh, Smash Bros. figurines, I mean. But then the Animal Crossing Amiibo figurines are definitely not nailing it. Like, it, that's where the fine line has to be still determined. Because, like, Animal Crossing Amiibo cards work because they work in two games and they do something equally imp- important in both. The figurines don't really work because, yeah, you need them for a game that bombs. No one's playing that. And, yeah, you need them for Happy Home Desire. But you can also just buy the cheaper cards and get more of those. Yeah. So they don't have the functionality purpose. And they do have the collectible purpose, but they're B tier or C tier. They're not popular enough to really hook you. Like, it doesn't have the same, like, video game culture cachet is like Captain Falcon or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Kirby. It'll be interesting to see what Nintendo does next for Amiibo, like the Kirby Amiibo line yeah, and what like comes next. But at least do better than Animal Crossing. But... Yeah, I think Kirby will do better because he's more iconic. He's been around for a while. But it's still the same issue of like this yeah. 2016 and 2017. I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year, but we're in do or die period for any toy to life thing like we talked we had a whole episode i feel like in the fall where we talked about how what 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 if the bubble burst i think it was our talking points episode back in like last october and like what if the bubble burst what would cause bubble burst how you prevent the bubble burst we have now seen that the bubble has burst at least on some level because the biggest corporation like one of the biggest entertainment companies known to man (laughs) has canceled theirs and completely withdrawn from the market isn't it the biggest it's not the biggest apples well the biggest entertainment company yeah disney for sure is but yeah, they, if they're backing out of the toy-to-life market and Lego's doing meh and Skylanders is down and Amiibo is still selling, but, you know, it's not the frenzy, this is the do-or-die this year and maybe next year, depending on how this year goes. So 
yeah, I'm really curious to see what happens to Amiibo. I'm hoping good things, but this might be the end of Toys to Life. This could be, the Disney thing could go down in the history books at the beginning of the end. Yeah. And also somewhere in here I watched Sneaky Jokes. I guess Disney Infinity wasn't so infinite after all. <laughs> but thank you. I'm 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 here until you hit pause on the episode. But um yeah, so that's my that's my take on the Amiibo thing. I find it really fascinating actually to watch like trends like this cuz like if you look back at the mu- music game stuff like the meteoric rise and it's cr- and it fell even quicker it's just like it's kind of interesting to see how trends ebb and flow same with motion controls they went through the same thing like connect playstation move Wii, those were huge for a few years and now no one cares yeah somehow the tire and true just like or the try and true just have a normal controller in your hand to do normal buttony things seems to be what's sticking even ipad is going through this a little in terms of trends like it's not selling as well as apple hopes yeah but yeah, while we're talking business, it's kind of a nice transition Still here. Has its niche, though. It does, it does, especially for you as an animator, because you just got one for your. And it's huge. Yeah, you have the 13 inch, right? Yep, it's pretty much the it's pretty much the top half of a MacBook Pro, a small MacBook Pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We compared it with my Mac, and it was like the same size. Yeah. Yeah, if I get the keyboard, I literally have a laptop. Which is crazy and but, unnecessary, but also amazingly great and totally necessary. <laughs> <laughs> especially for your purposes as animation, you want that extra retail. Or not retail, real estate retail. Yeah. Yeah. But but while we're talking business, um, I guess this is a good place to transition into some sales numbers. Jason Sales Corner. Uh, MPD Group put out their data for North American sales in April, and boy, did the industry take a beating. Like, uh, I'm talking a 15% drop overall, 23% drop in hardware sales, 21% drop in software sales. It was bad enough that not a single company, not Sony, not Microsoft, not Nintendo, nobody put out their hardware numbers because there's nothing there's no good to come of that so even even though sony was number one they're like we're not going to show you how much we've dropped this year we're just going to stay quiet what's interesting though is like it means ps4 isn't ps4 is number one but it's probably down year over year Mm. or actually no i take that back it's not here's where things get weird so the hardware is down but ps4 and xbox one sales are actually 40 percent higher than their last gen counterparts in the same time frame. Like, in this point in the PS3 and Xbox 360's life, they were selling less than what PS4 and Xbox One are selling now. The problem is, the price of them is lower than their last-gen counterparts at this point in their life, meaning um, they're making less money per system. And probably year-over-year PS4 was down, which is why I didn't mention it. Um, that's not to say games didn't do well. Dark Souls 3 was number one, Ratchet and Clank was number two. The problem was none of those could top, weirdly enough, the runaway success of Mortal Kombat X last year. What? It did so well that I lifted the industry up, and then when it was gone this year, the industry <laughs> dropped back down. So after the complete collection and they stopped promoting it, it just kind of... Well, no, well, it launched last year, last March. Oh. So that initial launch, it sold like over a million in a month or something, and everything went up. People bought consoles for it. It all went up. And then this year, it's like, oh, nothing is that strong. And there's nothing from March that sold as well. Like, apparently, I don't have numbers just, so but I read it's... that Twilight Princess HD dropped like a rock in April. So even if the March. collection didn't like top a chart or anything... Which end? Um, I think around in March they released um, Mortal Kombat XL. Which oh, pretty wait, much the physical co- or digital? Physical. Oh, I I think it was like Dan chart. No. It was just like the aggregate of all the DLC. Nah, Dan chart. Well, those rarely chart because all the people that bought it up front just bought the DLC as it came out. You know out. what the good indicator is that um, since when Elvis was getting his PS4, um, he was either gonna get it when Mortal Kombat came out or when Batman came out. Right. And he decided to get it when Batman came out so he could get the PS4 Batman. Yeah. The, yeah. The Batman PS4. Which, which looks he, great. Which meant that he had to. He was going to wait on Mortal Kombat for the Excel version or the complete. And equivalent. then he caved and bought it. Well, 
it came and went, and he never got it. Oh. Uh, he's he, probably not the only one. No, I know. That's why I thought that's probably... Oh, yeah, he says good in yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, he got Street Fighter, because, I mean, you kind of have to... You have to pick and choose your fighting games, because they each take a lot of... Speaking of Street Fighter, the U.S. Of sales of Street Fighter Five has officially been outpaced by the U.S. sales of Pokken. Whoa. Yeah. Just that's think about that for good a minute. Nintendo, bad for Street Fighter. That's really bad for Street Fighter. Hopefully they get their act together with their Splatoonification of the rollout of the content, and it actually, like picks up sales in the fall, but we'll see. But um, that does bring you to Nintendo. So Nintendo didn't put out any specific formal press release um, for April, so it's a little hard to say how they did. But, um, and actually, before I say that, not only did we not know how they did, but the month was bad enough that there aren't even hardware number leaks. Like, no one's bothering to put out any numbers. It's just like, meh, it, it, it's so little, it doesn't matter. So we have nothing for Nintendo hardware for the first time forever, but we do know some software stuff, and some of it's actually kind of impressive. For example, Star Fox Zero and its companion game, Guard, actually charted. They made it on the top ten. Star Fox Guard? Star Fox Zero with Star Fox oh, Guard. Room, and yeah. Co- yeah, made it into the top ten in the number ten spot. But they made it into the top ten, and what's particularly interesting is if you look at just the individual... Um, Excuse. I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear because that means Star Fox won't die on like won't die. It's going to live on. That also means that like Nintendo won't be discouraged to bring back franchises like that. Yeah, I, guess. yeah. I agree completely. So it's good news all around. And and it's better news when you look at the individual uh, SKU or SKU chart, where it's you know instead of bu- compiling multiple multi-platform releases into a single listing on the chart, they do it by platform. So when you look at that, Star Fox is actually number five on the chart, which is pretty good. Um... And it has, and while we don't know exact numbers, it has supposedly sold just about a hundred thousand units, which isn't great. I mean, like Xenoblade Chronicles X, I think did double that during the holidays last year, and that's also pretty, you know, not top tier Nintendo. But what that means is it actually outsold in its debut month. Star Fox Zero has sold more in its debut month than Star Fox Assault sold in its debut month back in February two thousand five. Mm-hmm. In two thousand five, Star mean, Fox Assault cool. sold ninety eight thousand. Star Fox Zero is still just about 100,000. So they are very close. But it means that Take if Star Fox... The point, yeah, the point I'm getting at is if, if Assault didn't kill the franchise with its with those sales numbers, then neither will Zero, at least here in the West. Unfortunately, in Japan, there is I'll bad get, news um, that could kill the franchise. But I remember I'll get to that. If, uh, what, what, I, think you did, I think you did just say it, but which was the... So Star Fox 64 was still the best-selling of all of them. You know, I'm not sure. Cause I, remember, I think it must have been. Yeah, no, that one sold over a million. Yeah, because sure. I remember seeing a chart on Go Nintendo a while back where it was just... It was just a, that was a Japanese chart, specifically. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. talking about, yeah. Yeah, and it was just kind of interesting. 64 like, was the... Where, yeah, and it looked like Adventures did better than anything coming after it. Well, pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah, it, it basically a downward yeah. trend with a little spike when 64 3D came out. Yeah. Which is why Zero, I think, mimics 64 so much. But what's interesting about that chart and what's kind of concerning and almost cancels out the good news about the U.S. sales is in Japan, Star Fox Zero had the second weakest first week... Or, sorry, the second... Yeah, second weakest first week sales of any Star Fox game ever. It was only sold... It only sold better than Command did in its first week, which was the DS Star Fox, like the RPG weird tactical one, which is actually really fun. So, uh, Command went on to be the weakest selling Star Fox in Japan ever. So that doesn't bode well for Zero, but hopefully things turn around. Um, Another tidbit, though, from that individual SKU chart is that Bravely Second actually came in ninth place, if you count games by individual platform and don't bundle them together. We don't know what that translates to in terms of, like, actual numbers, but leaks are putting it at, like, 
Oh, well, I think it was like under 98,000 or something like that, which, um, you know, not not a huge number by any means, but still for a niche JRPG, that's pretty good, and I'm guessing Nintendo's pretty happy with that. I don't think they were expecting Gangbusters. Although Bravely Default did perform surprisingly well, so maybe second doing only eh is cause for concern. I don't know. That, that one's a little harder to judge. Um, and that's literally all we have for MPD. No hardware. We don't really know much of anything. Nintendo had a pretty good month. They were actually... The number because of all their stuff combined across these games, all other games, they're actually the number one publisher in April in terms of sales. So there's that, which is kind of nice. And outside of MPD, one big success that's worth noting is that Nintendo uh, Friends of Nintendo Humble Bundle that we talked about last episode. So in the time since, uh, in the second week, they added for those who don't know and missed out, and I'm sorry, and you should have jumped on it. They added Rumbo, Sword and Soldiers Two, and Nano Assault. Uh, EX, really which is a, good makes bundle. it an insanely good bundle, and I think people responded really well to that because it sold over 1.5 million. Or wait, let me back up. It made over 1.5 million dollars, and it sold over 162,000 bundles. The average purchase was uh, nine dollars and seventy-four cents, and the top spender spent three hundred dollars. The takeaway from all this is this bundle uh, made or sold. One of the two, twice as much as the first Nindy bundle from a year ago. So I think it's safe to say we're going to be seeing. Damn, hum- that one was really good too. Yeah, we're going to be seeing Nintendo humble bundles pretty frequently. I think is what this, what I'm interpreting this to mean. Um, and actually, speaking of the humble bundle, we will mention this again at the end of the show. But you probably want to follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. I bought the humble bundle. One of our listeners, regular listeners, Satoshi, um, also bought the humble bundle, and. I'm planning to give some away on the Random Town Twitter, and Satoshi was kind enough to uh, send us a few extra codes he has. So we are going to be doing some random Twitter giveaways, and the only way you're going to know how to enter or when to enter, and if you win, is if you follow us. So, listeners, get get to that. Follow us at Random Tendo, and you could win Runbo and Rhythm Thief and other good things that you won't want to miss out on. Uh, yeah, that pretty much does it for news. The only stuff we have left is what we've been playing. Both of us have tried part pocket card jockey i feel like i i actually bought it you just played the demo yep so i'm gonna go first on that one and then i also have the uh star fox guard impressions i've been processing forever it's really the like neglected game wrap up (laughs) Mm -hmm. so to start with pocket card jockey i'm gonna be entirely honest three weeks ago i had no interest in this game whatsoever like solitaire and horse racing it, it did nothing for me i was completely indifferent and that's even with the pedigree of the uh, developer Game Freak. Like, I knew they made Pokemon. I knew they made the excellent Drill Dozer. I knew they made Harmonite, which was really fun. But that didn't sway me into getting Pocket Card Jockey on that alone. And then the demo came out two weeks ago. And then I started seeing people talking up the game. And then it was properly released, and the feedback grew. And from there, I was like, you know, I'm going to see what the fuss is about. So I downloaded it, played the demo, then immediately bought the full game. And now I feel like an idiot because I doubted Game Freak at all in the first place. So, so yeah. Um, the moral of the story is you don't need to listen to these impressions. Just go buy it. Actually, maybe you do because you might disagree with me. As I, I don't know. Or Angel, sorry. We'll see. Uh, yeah. So, so to be fair, the game is basically solitaire cross with horse racing. But there's actually, like, I'd say there's a fair amount of meat on the bone, so to speak. More than you'd expect. Like, at its core, all you're doing is you're playing a simplified version of solitaire. You literally... Like, it's basically like real solitaire. You just you know put the card down and the number higher, number lower. You match them up, but they they kind of streamline it. And then what you do is um, each round of solitaire gives you points that propels your horse forward. So you're not actually you're doing solitaire rounds multiple times per race. You're not actually doing it in real time with 
the horse, but what you do in the solitaire affects the horse. So, you know, if you put a card down that is not a consecutive number either up or down, it makes the horse slightly angry and you lose points that you can use to win the race. If you do a streak and go really fast, like seven in a row, that streak will get your horse more enthusiasm and he'll go faster. If you, uh, you know, if you, if you stumble for a while or if you finish your round and there are cards left on the table, so to speak, that will negatively affect you as well. So all that um, drives how your horse does through these enthusiasm points. But it's more than just that because there's a lot of other stuff going on too. Like when you first start a race, you're doing a special start version of Solitaire where instead of the back row being of cards just being more numbers, they actually spell out the word start. And then you have to, instead of just being like, I'm going to clear the board, you want to decide do I either clear the board or do I try and get one of the start cards? Because the start cards all have different stars on, different numbers of stars. And you don't know how many stars are on each. But the more stars you get, the bigger boost you get at the start of the race. So it's kind of, and you have a really tight time limit. So you kind of have to pick your battle here. It's like, do I just go and try and get a star on a card as quickly as possible and then I can get ahead? Or do I take longer, but then that gets canceled out by the five stars if I happen to get the five stars on that one card that has it at random? So it's, it's kind of a balancing act. And I feel like this idea of balancing things is actually really important throughout the race and the game and really at the end of the day you're not just playing solitaire you're making strategic balancing choices as you play solitaire and that's because of how like the solitaire actually works if that makes sense like as i mentioned you're not constantly playing cards but doing but you're doing it like a set number of rounds per race it could be two it could be three it could be four it could be whatever um and each round you get a certain amount of points which are then used to draw where your horse goes. And this is why their rounds are not constant. Because how it works is you play the game, you, do, you get the points, and then you go into the secondary mode where you have the track laid out in front of you, and there's like these gradients. And there's three different levels to the track. And your horse, you want to go in the most solid color of that gradient because that's your horse's comfort zone. There's level one comfort zone, level two comfort zone, level three comfort zone, and then just no comfort. And you would think... You want to take them out of their comfort zone to explore and understand new things. Yes, in a weird way, you kind of do. And that's what's odd, because you would think, oh, uh, they, they, the game literally tells you level three comfort zone is where your horse performs best. Great, I will draw a line with my stylus using the points I just accumulated from the cards to get him to level three as quickly as I can, even if it takes a few rounds. Except the thing is, that's not always the best option. This is where the balance idea comes in, because if he's surrounded by other horses, it can knock him backwards or squeeze him out of the comfort zone. If he's not in the right spot on the track when you go into the final turn, even if he's in his comfort zone, you could be hindered by the fact that you went too wide on the last turn or whatever if you put him away from the edge because that's where the comfort zone is. So what you actually need to do is like judge the best spot to draw your horse's path based on, based on all these different factors. And then with the points you have left over, which sometimes it's even better to have more points and not draw a path even if you're not in any comfort zone or a much lesser comfort zone, then with those points you essentially – rub the touchscreen, and that uh, bring, uh, runs up his enthusiasm. And the more enthusiasm the horse has, the faster he'll run, the better he'll do, the more likely it will be that you can get ahead of the pack and win the race. So you would think, oh, it's solitaire with horses. That's easy. But then you have to also consider all these different little mini variables, which aren't necessarily difficult. And I make it sound kind of complicated, and it's not. It's just more layers you have to be aware of that make it more of like a more than just pure, here's a sol here's solitaire with some cartoon horses. Like, there is a little more, like, to it that makes it more Yeah, probably, like, up. the only part where I would say, like, it plays the most how you would expect would be at the very end, at the home stretch, where you're just, like, pressing up up and down arrows. Yes. And just, like, hitting your carrots. Yeah, so that, that part I actually 
forgot about that completely. But yeah, that part when you're in the home stretch, based on the enthusiasm your horse has, he's running on autopilot. But what you can do is tell him to go up to avoid a horse or down to avoid a horse. And yeah. like you said, it's literally just it's like 2D Mario Kart, side scrolling Mario Kart practically with no items. But um, well, limited mushrooms, I guess. Yeah, yeah, the mushrooms being um, your boost. Your boost, yeah. Uh, so there is more than, and there's more than just solitaire. That's the thing. Cause like right now it's like, okay, so you're telling me Jason that it's like solitaire with some horses, but occasionally you draw a line or go, maybe I shouldn't put that horse there. And that's true. But then there's this whole other angle about breeding and raising all these different horses. You have different horses for different types of race. And the game's actually, once you get through the demo, the game actually splits into two entirely different modes. There's a growth mode and there's a mature mode. And in growth mode, you get to basically customize your horse. So it comes in at level one, and the more you race it in growth mode, that's the first two years of its life, the more you can get stat enhancements and it can level up. It can kind of cater it a little. Like you'd be like, okay, I want these stats or that stats based on what you collect on track. As you go through that thing where you draw, cards will come by to actually have statuses on them. And you can, if you use, if you play those cards, it will actually apply to the horse. So you can kind of be strategic, even within solitaire, with how you raise your horse. And then once it gets to age three or whatever, it goes into mature mode, and that's where you go and you win the money with the horse and whatnot. And you can breed horses together to get certain attributes and characteristics that give you certain stat boosts or certain, you know, like maybe this horse just runs faster because it has this personality. Or maybe you can flog it a couple more times, give it a boost or whatever it is you do to boost them, and that that's an extra thing that horse has. So it's a lot of like – there's a lot more game around this than just solitaire, I guess is the best way to put it. Um and with a good strategy and, like, the right horses for the right type of races, you can actually get pretty good at the game pretty fast. Fast, fast, fast. To the time. And this actually is my main pain point with the game. And it's kind of a it's kind of an annoying one. Because it's horse racing uh, and other horses are living, breeding creatures, Game Freak decide they want to mimic that. So you can do everything right, but the game will still be a little unpredictable. And even if you nail your con- even if you nail your solitaire, even if you get the start right at the start, if you have the perfect horse, it will sometimes just be like, nah, you're not going to win this one. And you'll just lose. And there's this little character that pops out whenever you lose. His name, his name is Off Course. He's a horse that talks to you off course. Of course. That's literally his dialogue, not mine. And um, this guy, whenever you lose, is like, hey, you, uh, you, know, you had a slow start. Or, hey, maybe you should try and do a higher combo of cards or whatever. He literally said to me, let's see, I, I wrote down this quote because I was like, this can't be real. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Sometimes the world just works against you. It's like, wait, what? I'm playing a video game. It's supposed to be based somewhat on skill. Like, it's as if rubber banding from Mario Kart, it's rubber banding from Mario Kart at its absolute worst. Because the game's just like, you did everything right. You were great. And then we just decide you're not going to win today. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, man, life lessons. I think it stems from the fact that in Japan, Pocket Card Jockey is both a 3DS game and a smartphone game. And on smartphones, it is free to start. And there are in-app purchases and time limits and all the usual you know, stuff you get like in a smartphone game. So by having you occasionally lose at random, it gives them a chance to earn more money from you. But it's weird that it made its way into the 3DS game. It's a little frustrating, but... Luckily, the majority of the game doesn't do that and isn't that bad, so uh, I can overlook the few instances where it tells me, well, you don't suck, but we're going to pretend you do just because we don't want you to win. Like, I'll overlook that just because, like, the game is so charming. Like, it's the personality is so great. I mean, first off, it knows it's a ridiculous premise, and it, like, embraces it. Like, at one point, that off-course horse literally says, like, yeah, it's a video game. Roll with it. It's like, okay, <laughs> like, it's it just, everything's really well done. The rhyme's really sharp. It's kind of like, it's like that old movie Airplane mixed with, like, the who's on first joke mixed with, like, 
if you've ever seen Angie Tribeca on TBS, which is basically like a modern day version of Airplane where it's like joke a second and it's a lot of like wordplay and double meanings and mishearing of words. Like they talk about the Finnish and he's like, oh, why would I care about a country, you know, making a joke about Finland? And he's like, no, 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 that's the Finnish. He's like, oh, but I don't like tea. And he's like, no, that's the British. And it's just like, this is so absurd. Why are they even, doing Even this? the way they explain, like, just the concept of the game. Yeah. It's like, oh, the main character is terrible at everything. Like, are you sure you're not good at anything? Like, well, I could play Solitaire. Well, not really. I could play a simplified version of Solitaire. All right, all right. Well, somehow make it work with horses. Yeah. Like, that. Like so to give a little backstory, it's not a spoiler because it's in the first two minutes. I don't want to ruin it too much. But basically, you die within the first minute of the game. You get kicked by a horse. And then an angel, who has no association with this angel sitting here, um, unless you are that same angel. I mean, your name is Angel. Are you that angel? Well, my character was an angel, so it got kind of confusing. <laughs> it's very confusing. But yeah, so then a- this angel comes by. It's just like, well, you're about to die, kid, but you know what? I can make this work. Well, we'll let you play solitary control horse. Just don't question it. So, like, the whole game is, like, super quirky and funny, and, like, it's really well written. It's super uh, entertaining. And not only that, but there's also, of course, the horse names themselves. Which any good horse race has crazy names, so of course a game about horse racing will too. And Game Freak snuck in a lot of little clever references to themselves. Like there's Pika Pika Mouse for Pikachu. There's a spinning driller for Drill Dozer. There's um, I'm trying to remember what else. There's some other good ones. They're just like super random, but come off very funny when it's like oh and blah 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 is in second place or that sort of thing. And it's these ridiculous names. Personally, I've chosen to stick to famous horses for my naming schemes. So I have Lil Sebastian from Parks and Rec. I have Bojack Horseman from Bojack Horseman and, uh, you know, things like that. So the charm, you know, the game's really well written. It, it overshadows any of the annoyance. You, it mostly overshadows the annoyance you feel when the game decides to pull the rug out from under you when you do nothing wrong. And admittedly, I'm not very good at it. So the few times that I feel like I nailed it and I know I'm doing well and then I lose, it's just extra frustrating. But... The charm balances that. And, I mean, the three, the graphics are also pretty charming. Like, there's no 3D, to be clear, at all. It's completely flat. But, like, I really like the look of the, like, cut-out, like, chibi characters on front of the more realistic backgrounds. Like, they're super cartoony, and yet the backgrounds are super not. So it, it's cool. So, in my opinion, and I know you're probably going to disagree with this, uh, but, Angel, but in my opinion, I think Pocket Card Jockey is totally worth the 7 bucks. Like, it's it's... I've never personally been a big player of Solitaire. I know nothing about horse racing except they have wacky names, big hats, and they drink mint juleps. But, like, I've... I really enjoyed the game a lot more than I thought I would. And I am very glad I didn't make the mistake of just outright ignoring it like three weeks ago Jason was doing. Like, it, I'm very happy I picked it up. It's, For shame. Yeah, it's it's a fun game in my opinion. Yeah, I know you sort of disagree. No, I mean, from the time I spent with the demo, I, I would agree too. It definitely seems worth it for seven bucks. Definitely that the kind of game plot that twist. you were just playing short plot twist, no? Like, yeah, okay, so before record, he was telling me he hated the game and gave up after five minutes. And now here he is raving. No, I, I, see, I, see how fast he could turn people around this game? I, I, did, not, <laughs> I did not give up in five minutes. I, I played the, the demo all the way through, and I enjoyed it. So I, would say it was, I would say it was worth the seven bucks if I were to buy it. What a plot twist. This, this turn code over here. Uh, I mean, my only thing for it would be is um, I don't really enjoy playing Solitaire. And, See, I don't either. And, and this game kind of doesn't really help that too much. So it's like, it's a of all the versions of Solitaire I've played, this was definitely the most entertaining. Mm. And I could see this holding my attention for a while, but I could also see myself dropping it after like, at most maybe like a few hours. Maybe that's how long the game is. But yeah, and yeah, I don't no, mean, I, I and, still... and I don't mean hours of play. I'm pretty sure I would play kind of the way I, tr- I treated the demo. I'd probably play like in short bursts of like a few minutes. Cause yeah, I mean even though. 
as deep as the game is, like, nothing really feels like it changes too much between, like, the, like, the race is between just the difficulty. Like, it's still the same track. It's still the same everything. Maybe the that's music. True. Like, you're still... No, the music's the same throughout. That's, it's, like, very rinse and... <laughs> it's very rinse and repeat, so... It is. Like, yeah, that's kind of... Honestly, that's a very good point. And it's one of those things, like, this game more than other... You could tell this was made for smartphones, which is... It's something I didn't even think of mentioning, but you're right. You could tell it was made for smartphones, and in fact, See, honestly, I feel like I would enjoy the game size. more in the phone because I could easily, like, like, access an app, open it, yeah. close it, like... I guess that's the kind of the nice thing. Because I mean, for 3DS, you kind of have to open the game, wait for it to load. Yeah. And it, it sounds small, but I mean, for a game that you want to pick up and play for a short burst, that's something I don't really want to have to wait for as much. No, that's Especially totally on odd. 3DS. That's so, totally valid, because there are times, like, I played this for, I actually... That's literally the reason why I don't play some games as much as I used to, just because yeah. I have to wait for them. I'd rather, like, open up Monster Hunter than because I know I'll be playing that for... Yeah. The amount of time that it takes me for have to Remember wait when Nintendo for... made such a big deal about how they don't have load times on GameCube? I miss those days. Even cartridges yeah. have load times now. Like, what? No, but it's... A, I mean, it's not, Yeah. I was just gonna say, it's a super valid point, because, like, I played this... Like, I sat down, I was like, I'm gonna play Pocket Card Jockey, and I played for, like, hour chunks. And by the end, I was like, yeah, that's that's a lot of solitaire I just did. <laughs> like, it is... You do get super into it, and, like, when it... You know, when you're growing the horse, you do... Like, I found that I really want to, like, get to level... Get leveled up to that third year status as quickly as possible. I guess after the honeymoon period is over. But, yeah. It's definitely a good, like, second screen activity while you have a TV in the background or something. But, also, I am... I did really enjoy it in those hour bursts. It's just much beyond an Which, hour. I at the end break. of the day, it's all that matters. Yeah, so for seven bucks, I don't, I don't think it's a bad choice at all. And I definitely don't think anyone should overlook it specifically because... It's just solitaire with horses, which is kind of contrary to what you're saying. And as someone that doesn't like solitaire as well, we're having... I know we're having, like, very different opinions I on... I enjoyed it. No, but you're saying that, like, it's the best solitaire you play, you just don't play solitaire. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm saying, like, even if you don't play solitaire, check it out. Well, but... because they sprinkle it in with yeah. non-solitaire I think activities. That's, yeah. I think that's why. Like, it's it's just... And it has that Game Freak charm, so... Yeah. So that's one game that that's I... That's like, if you want to make... If you want to get me to enjoy a solitaire game... This, this is how. This is how you do it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I would recommend I'm sure there's it. actually other ways you can do it, because, I mean... Such as chaining I mean, you to a chair and saying you will play solitaire. Well, I mean, picking, like, horse yeah. racing, like, I'm sure there's more... They could have Pokemon. You know, they, they could honestly like expand the series. Like they could start with um, like horse racing. They could even maybe incorporate into some sort of RPG fighting thing. We have to play solitaire in order to do your attacks. That's not or bad. Something. That's not know. bad. Pokemon solitaire. Yeah. Just saying. Well, I, I'm glad. I think no, the star status where like you have yeah. like a set oh, deck that'd be or something. It's like you how big your deck is determines how many times you can attack or something. Hey, uh, hey, intelligence systems, take note of this for a uh, color splash, maybe. We'll see what they end up doing. Yeah, but but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Like originally, I was like, "Oh, Pokemon Solitaire makes sense," but now I'm like, "No, actually, I'm glad Game Freak does more than just Pokemon. Like Drill Dozer, if they if they had a Pokemonify it, I'm sure it's they could still have just be picked fun, Drillber but, or one of their yeah. But Pokemon. like, it's cool. That's its own thing. Oh, yeah, it has its own personality. So, so that's one game. Pocket Card Jockey. Yeah, I mean, franchise Jockey. fatigue is a thing. So what? Oh yeah, franchise yeah. fatigue is totally yeah. a thing. So yeah, Pocket Pocket Card Jockey is definitely one game that I ignored that I shouldn't have, and I'm glad I played. The other that I feel like being ignored by a lot of people is Star Fox. Even though it jumped on the back of the truck with the other game that people were buying. Yeah, yeah. It's basically like it was like a Me Too. It's like it's like you buy the game. It's like like, wait, don't forget me. It's like clinging to it for dear life. Oh, what did you do? I bought Star Fox Zero. Oh, it came with Star Fox Guard. I mean, honestly, even though for me it would have been the other way around. Yeah, and then you didn't even buy it in the end. Even though after WonderCon you're saying here on this very show that you're going to do it, you liar. But um. 
Yeah, the thing is, unlike, already changed. I know. Unlike Pocket Card Jockey, though, I actually was interested in Guard from the start. I just didn't. It just got backburnered because Star Fox Zero, which I think is what everyone ha- had happened. But now that I've had a chance to like double back and actually kind of play it, I'm happy to say it's a really solid game. Like I, I, I really do enjoy it. So, Guard is weird in that I, I, I was curious. I looked it up the other day. I, tw- I searched Twitter to see if anyone's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. So I feel like for those who don't even know what Guard's about, it's probably helpful to at least give you the basic premise. Because it is kind of, it's a very Wii U unique experience, and it's definitely worth diving into, because it's one of the few experiences on Wii U that is only possible on Wii U, because of how it works. So basically, you're hired by Slippy Toad's awfully named Uncle uh, Grippy, Grippy Toad, and uh, you have to defend his mineral extract bases using these 12 security cameras that you're controlling remotely. Each camera's armed with a weapon. So, the bases vary in different layouts, different sizes, different shapes, depending on the stage you're in. And you kind of deal with the issue the same, regardless of the shape. And that is, there are wave after wave of alien robots coming at you, and you shoot them with the 12 cameras. That That's literally about it. You just kind of toggle between them. So the bots are where things get interesting, because they're in different shapes, sizes, abilities. You know, some will knock out the camera... Some explode, some make smoke screens appear, some are little satellite dishes that literally waddle towards the camera and then just hack it, but they look adorable doing it. Um, so those are all these so-called chaos class robots, and they actually don't matter for beating the level, which originally I didn't realize. The only ones that matter are the combat class robots, and these are the Rob-looking guys, like the ones that look straight up like Rob the Robot, or like, and they also kind of their own varieties. They have shields, they have other things, so... You want to kill both, but you only need to kill one. So the entire structure of the game is based around this idea of like defending against all these bots and sniping them down with these cameras. Uh, and when you first start a stage, you have this layout on the gamepad. There are twelve. You have the map. There are twelve cameras on the map. When the, when it begins, it says, "Okay, place your cameras." Ninety-five percent of the time, they are already perfectly placed. They're at all the entrances. So the map does show you like little clusters of enemies that will invade by each camera so you kind of know okay camera two is gonna have 20 emmys camera four won't have any but i feel like i never had to use that i the only time i I use it occasionally but the only time i really use it is once i unlocked new cameras which much like there are different bots there are different cameras so you can get like a homing camera you get a camera that targets five emmys you can get all sorts of different ones and that's the only time i felt that that pre-setup thing was actually super useful because i'd swap out camera here swap out camera there but that part of it, the strategy part of it, I felt like wasn't quite as needed as Nintendo likes to pretend it is. I mean, it's there, it's helpful, but I didn't use it that much. So either Nintendo is strategizing for me quite well, or it's just unnecessary, I don't know. But um, the way you get these different cameras, just to explain real quick, is that as you progress stage by stage, you earn metal. Like, literally, from the robots that you're destroying. And that's why I said it's important to kill both the Chaos and the combat robots. Because Chaos... All they do is disrupt your cameras and then clear a path for the combat guys who come in and steal your minerals from from the core of the level. So you want to kill at least some of the combat guys, or I mean the cla- the chaos guys, just so the combat guys can't get in. But, 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 if the more chaos guys you kill, the more metal you get. And, and that's with a T, like metal scraps. And the more metal you get, the more you level up. And the more you level up, the new cameras you get. And the more stuff you unlock. And all of this is like this one So basically thing. kill everything. You want to kill everything, but you're not required to kill everything. So initially when it told me that, I'm like, oh, I'll just kill the few chaos bots I need. But then I noticed I was leveling up really slow. And I'm like, oh, the game sort of 
didn't tell me the full picture here. I need to go back. But once you're all set with all that, once you understand all that, once you you know, once you go back to the basic mechanic of the game, you set up your base, you're good to go, you hit start, and then it becomes super actiony. And this is where the gamepad stuff gets really cool because on the TV you got the 12 views, on the gamepad you got your cameras, and you see all 12 at once. And your goal is, as anyone who knows anything about guard, is you gotta shoot down the bots or shoot the bots to death, whatever. And you do that by rapidly pressing their the camera's corresponding icons on the gamepad, and that puts the camera that you're pressing in, in control of your controller and all that, and you kind of go from there. Uh, one thing I thought that was kind of weird is you can't use motion control to aim the camera, which feels like if you're already, I don't know, maybe Star Fox spoiled me, but I was kind of, I kept swinging the controller like, why is the camera not moving? And I'm like, oh right, I have to actually use a stick. It's one of the few times I've been like, where's the motion controls? But I did have that knee-jerk reaction, like that initial reaction a few times. And I also find that um, this would be perfect as a Game & Wario game. Like, you know those games in Game & Wario where it's a, you're with your friends and like one person does something on TV and the other people are supposed to yell at the person to help them, like the, the finding the character one. Like, or take a picture of the take people? A pic- what? When we have to take pictures of people? Or that, yeah, or that, yeah. It's like, Could this I- would be great for that. At least at first I thought that. Um, or Thief. I think that's one yeah, Thief to. is what I'm thinking of. Because, like, there's a lot going on across those 12 cameras, and your eyes can only be in so many places at once, but having friends there that are like, look out at number cam- at camera four or camera six or camera two, that is helpful. And when I talked about the game after WonderCon, I made the kind of, like, I had a Nintendo rep doing that for me. So I don't know. I don't think I can multitask well enough once I'm on my own. I was wrong, and I want to say I was wrong specifically because you can't hear it in a WonderCon demo because the floor is loud. Like, the show floor is loud. But when you're at home, it gives you audio cues every time something happens. Enemy spawn, An enemy pops up, there's a spawning sound. Emmy enters the base, it tells you enemy approaching. Emmy enters your core area, and there's a real concern, the game just starts screaming at you. So, like, I didn't hear these things really on the show floor, but now that I'm actually playing it, I realize this is... While it is probably more fun with friends, it works perfectly well as a single-player, you manning all 12 views experience. So that, that was kind of a nice surprise, because I was a little worried it would get too intense too quick. And while it does get pretty intense, and there are definitely moments that rival, like, the, the most heated moments of a real Star Fox game, like that sort of action, you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it, it isn't out of control. And that's pretty much the basics of how the game works. A nice touch is that when you lose a stage, um, they want to encourage you to kind of learn the enemy pattern, so you actually get a timeline on the gamepad that shows every enemy and where... Like, it's like a left-to-right timeline has all the cameras that shows you which enemies came at which camera at which time across the timeline, so you could kind of, like, figure out how to maneuver for the next go-around if you, you know, if you want to go back and actually win the stage. Um, and in terms of the structure... So that's the mechanics. But in terms of the structure of the game, real quick, it's divided into different planets, much like Star Fox, and each planet are sections, and in each section are three stages. So each section has its own unique base layout. Each stage within the section is all about enemy placement, where the waves come from. So that's kind of interesting because you would think the layout would be what's crucial in a game like this, like the base layout, and that actually doesn't really matter that much. What matters is how the enemies come at you and where they come from. And um, once you start understanding that, it, the online makes a lot more sense, which I'll get to momentarily, because we both complained about this, if I'm not mistaken, that why is online only enemy placement? Why can't it be level creation? And it's because the enemy placement, it turns out, is the level creation. The structure of the level doesn't matter. It's how the enemies are coming at you, which bots are coming at you, what they're doing to you. That's that's the thing. And then at the end of each world, once you do the stages, there's also these boss fights, which really kind of combine a lot of the ideas of what you just did. Yeah, and honestly, if you let people create stages, 
it all, all they can really do I don't think anyone unless like I mean obviously there are exceptions but no one would probably create a balanced stage everyone would no. probably create a very like a stage that would probably just set you up to lose they would all set you up to lose they'd probably just have like a ton of openings and just be ridiculous You're so right. get, yeah looking at it this way it makes a lot. It, it, now, makes, it makes way more sense. Yeah, as someone who has played more than just a couple demo levels, who's actually sat down with the whole game for hours, yes, it is definitely more logical. They to, thought about that. Yeah. They they did. It makes total sense. And one cool thing that Star says is there's also these boss battles that kind of combine at the end of each planet. There's boss battles, and they're really cool because more than anything else, they really combine all the cameras. Like occasionally you'll get a bot where it's like, oh, this shielded combat bot, the only way I can beat him is if I shoot him from a far away camera that he's not facing near. Okay, whatever. That's two camera coordination. The boss battles are a little more intense. Like I'll just give the first one as an example. All right. There's this giant boss that fights like you're you have your base and he takes up the entire wall of it. He's beyond the base. And you have to shoot him with you know whichever camera makes the most sense. But he will jump around the base at you know, so he'll be over here and then he'll be over there. Like he'll be north, then he'll be south, then he'll be west, then he'll be east or whatever. And it's not just a matter of like tracking where he goes, but you need to use some cameras to figure out, okay, he's going over to the left side of the base. And once you do that, you need to go, now which camera is the one I should shoot him with? Because it's not necessarily the closest one where he's most in view, because maybe he's sideways or whatever. So you really have to kind of use the spatial thing of like all the different cameras to go, okay, I go to camera three because it's this angle at this time. And while all that is happening, he also has his minions still coming in the base. And yeah, it's just it's just cool because usually it's like one bot per camera, but this is one bot that's across like eight of them at once. That sounds pretty cool. So it, it was actually great fun. Um, yeah, beyond the core stages of each planet, there's also I forgot to mention this because I talked about level like you level up and you get new cameras. You also unlock special challenges, which are per section. Meaning per, 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 per. And what's neat about these and the reason I bring them up is they actually extend the life of the game a lot. Like these challenges, they're not just they use the same layout, but there are all sorts of new ideas. Like, for example, maybe the bots are raining from the sky and you have to shoot them down. But if you shoot their parachute and not them, they're just going to fall and go directly to the course. And then you have to juggle air and ground at the same time if you have aiming issues. So like, it's just, it just really notches, kicks it up a notch. And when there's 100 individual stages to play, it's nice to have like, that yeah, much I've variety. I've only heard positives from this game. What? I've only heard positives from there's this really game. There's really nothing. I really don't have any complaints. Like, I... And, it's almost like no, this should have been positive... the front, like the game in front, and stuff no, like there should have been the game in the back. Well, it's more like this is just a smaller scale game, but I'm really enjoying it because it uses the, like the gamepad thing, the way it does the two screens is super Except cool. Except for the motion. Like, yeah, well, that's not even a real complaint. But like it, the, I didn't even talk about the thing I like the most. And I know it's very positive, but I'm going into this. Oh, with I guess no I guess Grippy's name you you mentioned was kind of yeah. Like, no, here's yeah. the most positive thing online. Originally, I thought this was gonna be lame because of the enemy placement thing, like we talked about. But in practice. It's actually really cool. So each planet you get a um, online stage to manipulate. They call it building your squad. You have a squad of bots, and then you compete against rival squads. So using that same timeline you get when you lose a level, you get to actually place, all right, these many robots go to this camera, this may go to that camera. And, of course, as you play through single player, you unlock new bots to use in your squad per planet, etc., etc., and you put them all down, you decide what route, you know, if they take a, sh a short, medium, or long route, you decide what model bot to use, and then you upload it. And the better your squad stumps other people, the more metal you then earn for all the other unlocks in the game. So it's actually, if you're stuck on a level or something, this is a nice way to circumvent a level you're stuck on. Which is kind of nice. Like, it's nice that it's not a siloed off thing, they're actually kind of integrated. And you can also then go back and watch replays of how people performed on your level. So it's all asynchronous. Nothing's in real time. 
which almost makes this like a perfect mobile game if they ever play it on like a smartphone. But basically, I can build a squad for Corneria, upload it online, have you play it on your own time, and then I can come back on my own time, see how you did, literally watch you play it as if we were playing it in real time, and then get reap whatever rewards there are from it. And of course, like most Nintendo games, it uses a standard score system and whatnot. But it's like it does... Nintendo's version of the like Words with Friends. It's like Words with Friends yeah. with bot. Yeah, it's, really, it's, cool. it's really well done. And like no one really talks about it because no one really talks about Guard. But it's like my favorite part of the game. Um, and there's also little things like you know you can have a custom profile and you can. Um, there's actually this little indicator. It's like these little flames next to your name on your profile card that like show how popular you are, or how much people like play against your squads, because there are actually multiple. Um, squad you can build and then the cool thing is sorry I lost train of thought there the cool thing is that if you like a person's squad if you thought it was challenging or you enjoyed it or you want easy metal wins or whatever you can right then and there after that match say okay keep showing me more of this guy's squads like it won't it's like a one and done thing you almost can just play against a specific person forever and ever and they don't even have to know because it's all asynchronous so you can go through their entire squad list play to like however many levels and then he'll come on and be like, oh, okay, this guy actually really likes playing against me. And then you can almost build, like, there's no f- communication, but you can almost have, like, a back and forth, like, words your friends or something. So, so that's cool. It's cool. Um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell, honestly. I say nutshell loosely because I've probably been talking about it for, like, ten minutes. And these impressions, I admit, were a little more scattered than Pocket Card Jockey because the game is just, there's, like, more happening in any given moment. But uh, I should probably mention the Star Fox aspect is a bit shoehorned in unsurprisingly i mean it started as a tech demo so they put Star Fox in after fact but like they did at least get all the zero ca- uh, cast to contribute they have cut scenes that use assets from uh, zero the overall look and feel uses assets from zero it's uh, they even got little things like when you beat a boss it does like the mission accomplished like three part like the mission accomplished like dot 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 stamp with the music and everything from zero so there's a lot of like cross and the menus look similar so there's a lot of cross pollination but it's loosely Star Fox. So, um, yeah. So That's, you'd recommend uh, it then? I'd recommend it. I think, weirdly enough, even though Miyamoto kept saying Star Fox Zero was going to be the... This is why the Wii U... This is why you need a gamepad. This is why the Wii U works. I feel like Star Fox Zero did not accomplish that. It's a good game, but it has its issues. But then Star Fox Guard somehow did accomplish that. So, right franchise, wrong game if you're trying to prove the gamepad's worth. But yeah, I definitely recommend it for those who are curious about it. It's, I think, in a, if I were to boil it down to a single sentence, it's this crazy dual-screen tower defense game where you're not just placing the towers down or placing down the things, but you're then actually fighting the tower defense. Like, most tower defense games, you lay them down, and then you let it run its course. This one, you're laying it, run its, you're laying it down, and then you're running its course. So it's like an action yeah, tower defense there's game. There's one other game that... So it's like um, tower defense. Like you set up your defenses first, and yeah, then you go. Um, 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 uh, uh, and then you go into like a. It's third... on 3ds. Uh, it's the armadillo. I don't think so. No, it's not. Oh well, that's one. I'm but... blanking out what it's called. Oh, oh no, you're talking about Dennis Rolling Western. Yes, thank you. Well, that is one. That's a third person one. There's another one. I guess that's pretty much my point. Yeah, there's that yeah. one, and then there's another one that goes into first person, but it's still tower defense. Oh, uh, there's one called Frog Faction or something like that. That's a lot called, of people but, are comparing to. But, guard, but it's kind of cool just seeing like these different variations on tower defense. Yeah, tower defense is a fun. A fun genre. Yeah, and it is, and this game is really fun. And yeah, I didn't have many negative things to say because I went in there with no expectations. I'm like, whatever, it's a freebie with zero. The and then I was exactly, and then it's like pocket card jockey. Both cases, I was very surprised by the quality of the game, and I recommend both. And with that, I think that does it for this episode. Yep. So, um, thanks always for listening, folks. We are gonna be back 
on May 29th. But in the meantime, I encourage all of you out there, all of you, to keep an eye on our Twitter at Randintendo or to subscribe or follow us on Twitter at Randintendo if you haven't already done so. Done so, because we are, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, giving away some eShop games. We're just gonna post them up, probably about one a week. So if you want your chance to win Runbo, if you want your chance to win uh, Rhythm Thief, among other games. Definitely follow us on Twitter. You can also, if you're curious, follow us individually on Twitter for our thoughts on whatever we may have thoughts on. I am JSR7. Angel is Wero, W-E-R-R-O underscore O. And um, before we go, I do want to send one more quick thank you to our regular listener, Satoshi, who uh, was actually kind enough to donate some of the games that we were giving away. So that was really cool of him, and he's he's been a listener for a long time, so we do appreciate it. We appreciate all our long-time listeners and short-time listeners and anyone that listens. But yeah, if you're, if you're a new listener, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, whatever podcast app you use, and you'll make sure you never miss an episode. So yeah, we'll be back in two weeks on the 29th, and I think that just about does it. I hope you enjoyed our crisper audio quality, because it's hopefully not going anywhere. Hopefully. Hopefully. I kept forgetting to talk into the mic. So did I. I'm going to lean in real 